I might not have saved scum. Did I save scum? the Imperial Skulls of Honor podcast. I'm Josh Folan. And I'm Jay Backstrom. And we are going to be bullshit about the formative years of console gaming as we revisit the periodicals that covered it again. Today we are getting rocked with the shell-shocked Pizza Kings, an Ultra's 1989 release of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the Nintendo Entertainment System. I played on the Nestopia RetroArch Core on my PC with a standard OG NES controller piped in via USB adapter. Jay, how did you play? I played on my Xbox with the TMNT Cowabunga collection, uh, which lets you play all the Wonder Turtle games that have ever been released up until recently. So what I played name. that. What a name on that. Right. <laughs> and I played with the Xbox controller. So it actually worked out very well. I'm always concerned whenever there's like a remake and you're playing it on not OG hardware and not like that controller specifically, especially when we're talking about the NES, right? But nah, this actually held up very well, I got to say. Okay. Good to hear. There's plenty of uh, controlling pitfalls to be had. Well, I don't know. I don't want to overstep that. But any NES game, yes, it's possible. And this definitely has, you know, uh, button depression sensitivity with the jumping. There's mm-hmm. there's there's places for shit to go awry, no question. Yep. We also are employing some choice literature of antiquity for our play, Nintendo Power Issue 6 from May, June of 89, which featured the game on the cover and has an epic 10-banger piece in the mag itself. Please rate and review the podcast if you enjoy the shit we're doing. Be part of the ISOH movement. Give us validation on your podcast platform of choice in the form of a rating or review, and we will read it here on the pod and maybe even talk about it and have some fun with it and, and then feel good about ourselves, most importantly. What we're jamming on now, Jay, what are you jamming on right now? I am not a whole lot these days, considering circumstances, but, uh, you know, a little bit of NBA 2K24 still, you know, when I have time, just jumping in for a, a game or two when I have time, um, as I kind of do in that Halo time, in that Halo slot, you know, where I just need a little competitive jump in, game for a little bit, uh, a few minutes here and there type of thing. Uh, and then, honestly, just Starfield. I'm probably like 85 hours in or so right now, and it's... It's funny because I still have, you know, I haven't completed the main story yet, the main campaign, and there's stuff to do with there, but there's stuff, there's just such exciting side adventures, not even side quests, side adventures that I'm doing that I'm like, yeah, I'll get to that main, I'll get to the main quest later. So I'm, I think I'm going to head there soon, but it's, it's really just sucked me in because there really is like, like I've got to the point, I know last episode we talked a bit about like why like my role playing and stuff here. And so that's go- going very well. I made it not to spoil anything. I made it to the bottom of the skill tree that I was trying to get to. So now I have like kind of a superhuman ability kind of a thing. So that's really cool and exciting. So that's like my goal is achieved. And now I'm just looking at other skill points as I continue to like build out the role play there and kind of um, decide what I want to do next. Right. Cause for me, I- I'm an action guy. I like to shoot. I like to, I like to fight, like I want to go battle, things like that. And that's why I'm kind of on this superhuman tangent where I'm at in the game. But yesterday, I was just kind of, you know, with everything going on in life, I just kind of wanted to chill and relax. 
And so I'm just like scavenging, not scavenging, but um, scanning planets, just going and like surveying and like taking quests from the constellation to go just explore and survey planets, which is not something I thought I would ever want to do. I liken it a little bit to like fishing in video games. Now, you know, for me, (laughs) that is not my jam, right? Like that is the opposite of action pack. That is the opposite of like competition. It's it's just a way to exist in the world. Exactly. With with the vaguest of purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I I was never one of those people who's like, oh, I want to crack open a cold beer and fish in ESO. No, no thanks. Unless there was like a goal attached to that fishing, I was not doing it. Um, And I kind of thought surveying in Starfield would be like that. But it actually is very satisfying, like especially because I've leveled up my scanner so I can scan farther and just finding new life forms and things like that. I don't know why. There's such good satisfaction when you survey a planet 100% too, like just the the way they do it and just, I don't know, not to to spoil it, it's just very satisfying to me. So I, I found myself for hours last night just scanning and surveying planets and enjoying that and kind of taking a side a side break, I guess, uh, from what I was doing. Fun, fun, fun fact. <laughs> I can't believe I did this in the game. I actually got married in the game as well. So I, I don't know, like there's, there's multiple companions you can have in the game. You can go get new companions in certain cities and things. And they, each companion you get gives you different, you know, abilities. They have different skill sets. They bring different things that they're good at. And one of the companions, like she's just been with me for so long. I was always, I had always just decided like, yes, I'm going to be like friend for life with this person. We're going to be great. It's going to be all good. And so I just kept, you know, always being friends. And I guess I would steadily see like my status, like our companionship rise over time. Like they consider you a friend. They consider you a really good friend. And I'm, you know, it was all not a big deal. And then one day I was just kind of like, what happens if I flirt? You know, just kind of like just a wild hair, like, oh, I wonder what happens if I flirt. But I guess I had raised my status up so much my relationship level so much then when i did she was just kind of like yeah i I feel the same way and then all of a sudden it went from like we're solid friends to like we just got married very soon like i don't know it was like a quick ramp just based on like all that we had built up over time but it's it's weird because like the the level of emotional connection was just like wow this game made me feel this about this person that has just been questing with me for the last 70 plus hours or something you know i don't know like it's it was weird but like a fun thing at the same time so now this person is always on my ship they're always like a part of the party um i've actually expanded my my bigger ship that i got with through a fun quest so she's always there i brought on other companions who are actually going and questing with me but because we were married i'm like all right you're still rolling with me but we're gonna go questing with all these other people just to see what happens you know with their relationships but it's a blast, man. Having having a blast at that game. Okay. 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 <laughs> Are you not You said you're still you're do you're off on the side thing. Isn't that that's the one we were talking about where the big like a gripe about the main quest versus the side quest stuff is you want to finish the main quest first, otherwise all that shit like you don't have that stuff or something. Some there's something goofy about once you complete the main quest your progress with the side quest stuff gets wonky in some way. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You might want to. It might want to tentatively Google around about <laughs> that. I, ha- I haven't got there. I've been like afraid of spoilers, but I do know I am kind of at the point where I've done all the side quests I really wanted to do, like the side adventures that I was like really. But I still have like several more that I'm like, oh, huh, I wonder what that's about. Like, I, and I know a couple of them. 
from like bits and pieces I've heard are really good side adventures. Like if I go down that path. So it's kind of like, do I really want to go like do this thing in this world? Do I really want to go experience this part of space? So I'm kind of I'm kind of deciding that. So maybe that is a good heads up that I should you know check on first before I, before I decide. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's it. I don't know. Again, I don't. I haven't played it, so I can't even begin to speak. But I'm pretty sure I've seen something about like you want to finish the main quest with some level of priority because there's like a I don't know if it's as simple as a loss of progress or something, but there's like some sort of something downside to dawdling on that yeah i i actually heard something like that too so i'm probably and, and, and last night i was as i was surveying i'm like okay i think think i'm ready to continue on main main quest to see what what's what's happening next because i've also heard and we maybe even talked to talked about it here that once you finish the main quest like the world opens up in some other kind of different way so i'm i'm excited to see what happens next great game so far and then obviously haven't played anything about it yet, but happy ABK day for all the Xbox people out there closing the Activision Blizzard deal. So Activision is now part of Xbox. Go Xbox. Let's do it. Go. Let's. You want to play some celebratory Call of Duty, Josh? You, you want to? I definitely don't. Some shooter action. I, like, there, there's literally. <laughs> I don't think there's anything I want to do less. <laughs> That's video game related, anyways. That's. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's pretty much it, man. What about you? What are you jamming on these days? Well, New Quest had, Three, right? Yeah, I had us uh, a relatively tectonic shift tier <laughs> change in my gaming landscape due to that happening on the tenth. So that it arrived on the tenth as as uh, not shipped on the tenth. That shit arrived on the tenth. Like if you pre-ordered it, it was there that day. Uh, which was cool, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I got the 128 gigabyte model. Uh, sticker price on that is 500. And you know, it's it's. I mean, I'll, I'm gonna you know the technology is fucking incredible. Like the the upgrade uh, is uh, it's on all fronts. It's just like there is there's no there's not a moment of like this wasn't worth it. <laughs> you know, like everything is there as far as like even ergonomically, like take it out of the box. Like it comes in this much smaller box than the first one, than the, than the two did. So I don't know when I, when I opened that box, I expected it to look smaller, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't like sitting in the box and taking it out for the first time did not really, I was like, this is, it doesn't seem that much smaller, you know, mm-hmm. but when you put it on, the depth of the visor is so, you know, it's, and I don't know, I guess, I mean, it's probably, it's probably not quite half, but. Really? That's a big that's difference. That's a lot. That's a it's, lot. But yeah, exactly. So like almost half the depth is a big difference. And then most importantly, you don't think about it until you have this on, but the, the weight of it is impacted by how far yeah, it protrudes. Of course, about, I was just thinking that as you right. Said it, so, like, like the way you it it sits on your face now is infinitely less cumbersome. You know, mm. even like I I got Amy doing the 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 uh, mixed reality demo that I'm going to talk about here in a second. Last night, and even she that was like her. She couldn't fucking play the two that long. Like even a walkabout game, she would be like 
her neck would be tired at the end of it because it's just so big on her head, you know? So that's a big difference just on like the ergonomics of it. But technology wise, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Like even like it, it, it's the technology, like you just, it just, it's just, and I thought the two was so intuitive and just so quickly, you're just so quickly integrated in gaming. I was so impressed by that when I first got it, but this one is so much better. There's no, you put it on and because it is natively has this pass through full color pass through that allows you to just operate like you're not even wearing a visor, basically. Right. You don't have this like when you put on the two, you have to like deal with your boundary and shit immediately. And if you're outside of your boundary, room scale or stationary, you got to spend a second to like make a new right. one or walk over to your way. You don't do any of that shit with this. Like what? you don't need a boundary until you decide to go into immersive, which is just a one click thing on the on the UI. Like to go from full pass through, you're existing in your world. You don't need to be in any boundaries because you can see and it's safe to do so. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you click, you can click just a one little button and it, it goes into the immersive mode and then you have like a home environment just like you did on the the two uh, home UI, you know. So that, it's just it's just a quicker pick it up and go feeling, you know. And again, like your big hindrance with like being blocked out from the world and not being able, like that's gone entirely now, you know. Like I, I think we were, I was saying via text, it's like that you're, that hurdle is gone you know you the the pass-through is full yeah the pass-through is full you it's it's like wearing up some glasses you know it's it's not i mean there's a you know there's a little bit i'm not gonna say it's like full fidelity or anything it still feels like a digitized iteration of the world to some degree but not in any hindering way whatsoever you can even look at your phone and stuff. I mean, it's a, with screens, it's a little goofy. It kind of has the guys on the Let's Talk Oculus pod described it really well. It kind of like when you, you can pick up your phone and you can look at it and like you can see it fine, but it kind of looks like there's like a little tiny thin layer of water over it mm. is the way he described it, which I guess is also comparable to how he was comparing it to getting LASIK eye surgery. I guess when you first do that, there's like this kind of like a, a, little, a little bit of a just a visual – diffusion kind of to your your vision for for a while so yeah so it, you know you can still interact with screen. you can watch tv even if you want you know if you just got if you're as long as you're still if you're like running around it's gonna that it's gonna magnify that kind of diffusion a little bit on screens but either way you can see through it you could easily like be playing a casual game from a seated position like one of those puzzle games or gimio or something and have the tv on and be able to see what's on the TV, like if you're watching the news or whatever, sports or some shit, you know. I was going to so, say, you could have the game on in the background right. while you're demoing. Yes, yes. Ah. right, 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 yeah. Pretty fucking wild. So, you know, that is crazy. <laughs> the And then the controllers are, they lost the rings, so they're just the little things now, you know. So you don't have the rings, so they're much smaller. It's otherwise the same feel, though. They're, they probably are also a little shorter, but as far as the way they feel in your hands and the way you... The sticks and the buttons and all everything is the same, but the I'm only using those maybe half the time now because the hand tracking technology is better with this too. So all you have to do to get rid of controllers basically is you just do this double tap of them and set them down, and then it goes into hand tracking mode, and you can see your hands, fingers, everything in the space you know and and to do you know you have to learn there's like a command 
series of commands you have to learn to like select things you have to like point like point at it with your hand and then do this tap with your finger and like to bring up the menu you like turn your hand over and touch your thumb to your palm to bring up the oculus menu that you would hit the oculus button for <laughs> on the controller so there's like the, like so you know it that there's some shit you have to learn to uh, and obviously get savvy with to be able to really embrace that but it works and like i was playing demio the other night with just my hands you know like crazy but cubism the puzzle game just playing that with your hands you know it, and it's fucking and like like i said cubism that's a that's a Demio 2. You know, so you, you have the pass-through on, so you can see the space. You don't have controllers in your hand. You know, it's close <laughs> to not even being in VR, just doing a VR thing in your fucking living room, you know, without having really any technology between you and the experience, you know. It's what? it's fucking, yeah, it's what? it's pretty fucking, it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. Hey, <laughs> so you're grabbing your you're grabbing your character, you're moving him around the demo. Roll the dice and like, like and you, yeah, no and controller. you and, yes, right. And you t- and you t- you know, when you throw the die, the die doesn't stay on the board. You throw it, it and it everywhere. like you see it roll over onto the floor, <laughs> <laughs> like your floor, not the floor of the game, your living room floor. It like rolls over and like it has the walls oh. map too, so it'll stop against your fucking d- wall. <laughs> you know, which is nuts, dude. It's nuts. I, I told nuts. you I wasn't buying this freaking system, but dang, that is it's that is it's wild, cool, dude. It's as, fucking wild. As toys go. That is, and I and I sent you the video. I don't know if you watched or not. I that. did, so, man. I okay, totally so that's did, yeah. so that's that's a preloaded AR experience. Brilliant choice because it is it demos the space scanning technology and the AR technology. Really fucking well, I think. So, yeah, it comes with this game, First Encounters, that is really, it's just like, uh, Amy was calling them puffins when she was shooting, <laughs> when she was doing it last night. And that's what it is. It's basically just, it's you in your living room, this little spaceship comes down, like blows a hole in the ceiling. So that's the first thing. You, so you open this thing, you open this app up, and you have to do this the first time anyways. You have to do this scanning thing where you scan all the walls in your room. And it like, you know, it's super, you know, you're not, there's no... It just does it, and you're just kind of confirming that it did it right. And in my case, it did it just fine. And so it, it maps all your walls, maps your ceiling even, because, like, it's no longer just that infinite space because now we have a ceiling, you know. And so it maps all that shit, your floor too, of course. And then it also maps all the furnishings in your room. So it does that you can see it just like it looks like a <laughs> – it looks like – uh, I, 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 I'm maybe RoboCop or something. I'm thinking I, when I when I watched, it, I was like, it's reminding me of the I can't put my finger on it, but some sci-fi movie from like the late '80s that I can't like Running Man or some UI from Running Man or RoboCop or something. So it does. It's doing this. It scans everything in the room, so it, it knows everything in your room because you are going to be in your room. You are not in a virtual space in this case. It's augmented reality. So it's taking your actual room and all the shit in it, and then it's going to put game on top of all of that, and it's fucking nuts, dude. So the game starts, and the sp- a, a ceiling or a hole blows in your ceiling. This little lunar lander thing comes and lands like next to you on the floor. And then like it doesn't I – mean, this is a little bit spoilery even kind of. But whatever. It's just a demo. Like it – you don't even – like you sit there like what the fuck is going to happen? You know, like, you're waiting for something to come from it, but nothing comes from it. It – you start – like you're sitting there for a second and then you start hearing – you might not even see them at first. You, you're hearing something like slam into something and you're kind of like looking around and like you start to see like 
in the wall, like, uh, it looks like something's slamming into the opposite side of it. And you're like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, one of them will break open, and these little fucking cute-ass Pokemon-looking things start jumping <laughs> through. And you gotta shoot them. That's the whole goal, is to shoot these things. So they start coming through the fuck. And, like, it will, sh- it takes your actual wall, and, like, a hole is now in it. And you can see out into a space beyond some, like, alien planet, right? And so those things start coming in from everywhere and start breaking holes everywhere. And then you can eventually shoot – or not eventually. You can also shoot holes in the wall too. So you can kind of break out huge spaces in the wall or ceiling or whatever and see beyond. And you can see where they're coming from then, like from behind rocks and they're hopping on rocks and shit. And like you can shoot them outside of your space now, you know. But they also start mobbing you and coming in they're running around the floor and they're like fucking zooming over your tables and shit it's like it's you know they fully map onto your actual space and it's just it is so fucking wild it is so fucking wild and you know that's just like i said just the most basic of demo um whatever of of what that technology can be but it you immediately feel the the potential and possibility of what that could be and do you know yeah man it is fucking cool it is so fucking cool that is awesome. but yeah so you know all the new shit is really cool but it's an interesting i've never had a a game system buying experience that felt this way i guess kind of pcs to some degree but you don't think of that as like a you know you you you, you feel i don't know it's different it's, it's a different thing because it's like a whole new it should be a whole new system and there should like basically your library doesn't change over. I have all my I have my full library from the two. Yeah. So in one way that's cool, but in another way, it also kind of takes some of the shine off getting a new gaming system because there's not this whole new line of shit that is now available to you slash comes with it, you know. Uh and you know, usually most systems there's like a limited offering to begin with, so that's not like some crazy uh shift or anything normally but there is like this feeling of like a totally new thing that i didn't have access to a moment ago now i do and that kind of that feeling is gone you know there is new like they they they, there's a list you can look up of all like they they did a lot of games did a a texture uh uh refinement and stuff like basically a visual improvement to embrace the new technology which is infinitely better of course on the on the new the new processor and everything on the new on the new visor so they like games like red matter that really fucking that was already like red matter 2 was already like pushed the quest 2 to its limits and was the most visually stunning thing like that i went into that that re-downloaded it and looked at it and like it doubled the size of the game i mentioned how that was going to change and you can see it it's fucking beautiful like there's this in the the beginning of the it's very thankfully at the beginning right the, at the beginning of a chapter so I could just go right to it. There's like when you first get out of kind of the tutorial area of that game and you you take this fucking spaceship to this new space station thing and you're you you come down you land outside of the like on this platform outside of the space station and, and it's above this planet and there's the the rings are around the planet. I'm sure I posted pictures from this when I was playing that. It's probably the first image you're going to see if you Google it too. It's just like such a visually stunning thing, even on the old technology. But like, yeah, you're above this planet that you can see. It's like kind of a, you know, it's a gas cloud planet. So it's like the surface is just this constantly flowing, moving, gaseous clouds look to it. And then it has the rings around the planet that you're kind of like, 
and they're like the way you are oriented to those rings on the planet they look like they're kind of going around sideways so you like see the rings right next to you and you can see the particles and the rocks and stuff that form the rings moving in the rings slowly orbiting the planet you know and then obviously the fucking the little tiny asteroids that are surrounding the asteroid space station that you're coming to you can see all that and it's just it is immaculate looking and again the difference between looking immaculate on a flat screen and looking immaculate next to you is nuts you know so just yeah the i can't wait to see some of you know these kind of games like that that are these crazy environments at this level of visual clarity is going to be a really fucking crazy experience uh, and i can't wait for some of that but <clears throat> none of that no no new shit's out really and the last quit you know the because of the limitations on the technology in the last one you know like walk about most games didn't try to do that even because it wasn't quite there, you know. So there's not a lot of that stuff existing now. So it's not like I could just grab a game that I hadn't played that I wanted to play anyways. There's a bunch of shooters and shit I'm sure that I look beautiful in this that I don't want to play. But there's nothing new that's fully embracing the technology that I want to play yet, you know. There is, like, you know, there's plenty of developers that timed their shit to this drop. The new NFL Pro Era comes out on the 16th. Uh, so so what is that, Monday or Tuesday? So, you know, that and that has a head-to-head in it too, dude. So might want to actually <laughs> grab, might want to actually fulfill and grab that one. I mean, I can't even, I showed that to, I don't think I mentioned this. I took this over to my buddy uh, Danny's house and showed this to a bunch of my, Danny and Dave, those guys out here. They'd never even touched VR in their life. And I got Danny's kid playing playing walkabout mini golf and shit so i was showing it off to them and my buddy dave was watched got in he's like i want to see the nfl game and he got in there and he's like he's like this six five huge dude and he's fucking you know and he's like i never played this the first thing he's ever played vr in too so he's never even had a headset on and and he's getting into an nfl video an nfl game as the quarterback he was just fucking floored by the last (laughs) one you know so you know this new one i'm sure that would be fucking unreal and then seventh guest which I don't know if you – that's kind of misty. I'm sure you didn't play it or like it back oh, in the day. But yeah. Seventh Guest is like – Did not like Mist. It's just one click over from Mist as far as that mid to late 90s point-and-click adventure renown, you know? This one's like a horror theme, though. So they, they oh. did a, a VR remake of this that is finally dropping on the 19th. So those are two games next week that I'm going to jump into, and I'm sure they both – were built with the three in mind, or at least I certainly hope so. I haven't seen anything to attest to that for sure, but uh, I certainly hope so. So those are two things that are that are coming that are are new that hopefully will show this off a little more, and I'm excited about. But yeah, dude, it's it's I don't know. I, I hadn't really fucked with it. I'm partly maybe just in anticipation of this, but I hadn't played a, a ton of VR stuff. Also because of Baldur's Gate. We've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate, so my gaming time was taken up by that. But between those two things, I hadn't really fucked with VR in a few weeks. And like, I, I can't, I like, I want to, it's just all I want to do now. You know, <laughs> like it's all, it's, it's so the, just the, all the new toys and bells and whistles about it are just so fucking, it's such an upgrade and such a change. And uh, so exciting, so fucking exciting. Nice. nice. Well, so a lot of that, of course, stuff comes out soon. <laughs> yeah, 
And uh, so, yeah, still playing BG3. Got into the second act now. Still fucking awesome. Um, but not a lot to talk about there. Just RPG goodness. So, I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, let us do so. Overworld One theme bringing us into our turtle talk. Let's go. <laughs> Steam rises from Wall Street sewers like hot breath from a pack of wild dogs. Just below the pavement's puddle-strewn surface, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have gathered around the leftovers of a family reunion-sized sausage pizza with extra sauce. Usually, these party dudes would inhale the mozzarella platter as if it were the last "zuh" on earth, but not tonight. You see, only hours ago. Their trusted friend, April, was kidnapped from her mobile news van by the vile, ruthless, terrorist bully Shredder. He's a slice-o-matic crumb, a village more vicious, or a villain, rather, more vicious than an army of mind-altered Bruce Lees. And April's name gets the trademarked TM here in the synopsis in the manual, and doing that with a simple-ass name like April... Seems bananas to me, but right, like that's they, a uh, month. How how, yeah. how are we how are we trademarking that? Like what? It, <laughs> they they uh, just in a general sense. This is something I I probably will talk about later too. But in a general sense, these guys, Peter Laird and and Kevin Eastman, the two yeah. creators of the Turtles, I've never seen a better job by independent creators of protecting their own IP. Hmm. They, these dudes just, I don't know, they must have had a real, either one of them must have been very legally savvy to begin with for some reason or another, or had like an uncle who was a fucking old lawyer, something. They had some access or some knowledge of legal approach to IP protection Hmm. at square one with this property because they have kept so, like there's just so many signs of just not getting fucked like someone like them should have gotten fucked uh, and historically does get fucked creating something this cool and that became as big as it does. But anyways, back to the synopsis. With their lovely cohort cohort held hostage, the fearless foursome must concoct a way to rescue April before Shredder brainwashes her into joining his ninjutsu foot clan. They'll combine this treacherous task with the mission they've been on since their mutated beginnings to thrash Shredder and capture his life transformer gun, the lone piece of technology that can turn their rat friend, Splinter, back into the man he used to be. So take control of these heroes in a half shell and either claim total victory over New York's premier kickman or lead them onto the menu at McTurtles, home of the quarter flounder with cheese. <laughs> what an intro. Konami. It, it was, you know, it's funny. It's so good that Konami got this IP because Konami, I think, inarguably has is the reigning NES champion of instruction manual flowery copywriting, you know? So <laughs> they're getting this particular property that is so perfect for just bombastic copywriting, you know? Uh, it's it's a great marrying of of uh, assets <laughs> of, of 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 things, you know. What kind what kind of game is this? What do you even call this game exactly, I guess? I mean, I mean the side-scrolling stuff is, I guess, the, the, the feature. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
majority of it is really side-scrolling action pl- platformer, right? I mean, you have the overworld stuff, which you're kind of walking around, but that's minimal. So, yeah, side-scrolling action pl- platformer is really what you would call this one. Greed. Which is, which, was... is, which makes sense, like, you know, for the time period, that that would be what they would go with, you know? Sure. At least for this first one. This game was released in June of 1989 uh, in the U.S., North America, basically, shortly after a May 12th drop in Japan. And at this particular time, Forever Your Girl by Paul Abdul was atop the Billboard Hot 100. Whoa. Uh, June 1st is the exact time stamp on that. And Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was king at the box office. So that is a little snapshot of the pop culture uh, landscape at the time. And for cover art, it is ultra Konami, like I mentioned. So we have those black stripes on the top and bottom of the key art that you'll also see on Metal Gear and such at this time. And this is another one of those instances where I've seen this image a billion times, but never actually (laughs) looked at it. Discriminatingly, uh, discriminatingly enough to know what's yeah. really being depicted, you know. So parsing it for this, uh, like, well, a few things. I, I a little bit of research uh, revealed it's only because I have basically done this IP. I think a disgraceful disservice, and never read the comic books that, Actually, yeah, created the 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 property basically by the aforementioned Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. So this is a near one-for-one repurposing of the cover art from issue four of the comic, which is what I have behind me right now. It's all four turtles, uh, of course, brandishing their iconic weapons of choice, and they are directing their aggression towards some unseen baddies that you can only see the tip of a firearm of some kind sticking out from the the bottom left corner there. And Donatello's bow is fragging some mechanical humanoid thing as well. You can kind of see, and the turtles are standing in front of what... Maybe as a jet engine is the best I could maybe Looks like it or like a like the a blimp, you know, like a technodrome blimp, you know, Perhaps, like some, yeah. a ship of some type, some type of fl- yeah. flying floating bed something ship. or other. Yeah, the title treatment is up top, uh, the same these in the cartoon and action figure action figure packaging. And that's a red banner, white text for Teenage Mutant Ninja. And then Turtles is in a green turtle shell font beneath it. We all know what that looks like from memory. And moving to the back, Konami knows what's uh, what's what. So there's five screenshots back here. There's a map screen, a shot of the underwater stage, an overall shot of the airport, then two side-scrolling stage screens. And the pitch line up top reads, fresh from the classic comics come heroes in a half shell. Classic comics is an interesting choice. That, that's right. Yes, they've been around for a while, but I don't, I would, they're not, not long enough to call it classic. And even if they had been around longer, it's still kind of like an underground indie thing. So classic, right. I think, is interesting. Uh, right. They got popular through the television show, right. not, not the other way around. So right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> there are four paragraphs of unique copywriting below that. Carnivorous robots chow down in Chinatown, while brutal ninjutsu warriors, blood descendants of the deadly Foot Clan, bust up bystanders from the Bronx to Broadway. Police SWAT teams can't stop them, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles can, because powered by slices of pizza, they're always ready to rumble, with nunchuckus, katana blades, and a party bus loaded with anti-Foot Clan missiles. So team up with the Turtles, Raphael, Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello, then switch on the tortoise radar, following your map and Sixth Sense past savage traps and secret 
sewage passages until you knock heads with nasty ninjutsus and either splatter them senseless or get yourself turned into turtle soup. And I'm I so close to getting that alliteration fucking <laughs> right. bonanza perfect. I'm so sad right. that I That's fucked up that one. That's a lot of S's, <laughs> a lot of like, wow. told you that Konami they don't fuck around (laughs) so also a little note about the Lee Lee's reads look for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures by Playmates Toys and oh boy, that <laughs> I certainly did. That <laughs> that legally specifically yeah. names Kevin and Peter as the creators. And again, this is uh, this reoccurring theme. You do not see that kind of recognition much on licensed shit in those days that is true. or today. You know, I knew their names as kids. Like I knew like Peter Eastman, Kevin Laird. Like I knew those names. Like just I don't know if I did because I thought I was a pretty dumb, oblivious child, but. I it's did, fucking I saw everywhere. Them everywhere. Okay. <laughs> and, again, as the kid who played all the Turtles games and stuff, like, yes. You, again, to your point, seeing their name over and over and over. That's yeah. why I know it still. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it, it brings a tear to my eye. It's, it's like, it's the artist's dream. Like, you make some shit so cool, completely independent of any corporate help whatsoever, and then you just take their asses to fucking, like, Make them crawl and grovel to the for the crumbs off of your table. It is <laughs> it is just beautiful, beautiful uh, independent artistry. I just I love it to no end. Love it to no end. So the manual, which is in the show notes, as it always is, is a sixteen pages deal. It's all black and white. Kind of makes me sad too because I think there's a lot of potential in here for cool color artwork, and I wish they'd have splurged on that, but. Uh, what are you going to do? Page four, after the story setup I already read, uh, under the how to play heading, they explain that your initial goal is to rescue April, whom they describe as a hip version of a medieval damsel in distress. And then they shamelessly plug Defender of the Crown, one of their other games, citing it as an opportunity to glean an understanding of the original version of a bummed out babe. So, I don't know, just the cheapest self-fucking-promotion right? ever, I think, you know. I found that uh, very fa- a very fascinating thing. Yeah. Very fascinating. Page 5 has a troll breakdown, and no way I'm skipping this shit, so here we go. Uh, we will <laughs> each read one of these. Uh, since you like Leonardo so much, Jay, by all means, uh, please do start with, with Leonardo's description. Leonardo, trademark, by the way. <laughs> Leonardo's primary weapon is the hair-splitting katana blade. He's most effective when attacking sewer enemies, especially ones that lurk overhead. And absolutely, that I use him swinging upward. Yep. Uh, He is my... (laughs) I was talking with Matt Ghoul on Facebook. We were talking about this. He is like my sacrificial lamb uh, turtle. I, I use him for everything not specialized because he's the one... I'm most fine with losing. I think. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. I felt I felt that way about Michelangelo, but because he's so he's weaker, I ended up just not even using him. So I ended up just using Leonardo all the time by default until it was Donatello time. Okay, yeah. See, I Michelangelo. I like Donatello more, but Michelangelo yeah. is my second favorite turtle. So while uh, I I and honestly, Raphael is probably the one. I should use most and not care about losing most, but his weapon is so shitty that mm. it's prohibitive. It's so to short, bo- man. Yeah, to even bother. So Leonardo is like the only is the the practical one who I care least about. I guess is maybe a better way to put it. 
Uh, per Nintendo Power, the Nintendo Power piece, uh, Leo's description is, Leo's Katana gives you a balance of offensive power and good mobility. And that kind of just is a testament to what we were just talking about, I think. In Raphael's case, he is described as the needle tip sigh is Raphael's preferred attack tool. The speed and grace of his strikes are what he prides himself on. And Nintendo Power goes on to say his sigh is the quickest weapon, but does have does not have a long range. And yes, I concur. Uh, Michelangelo, Jay. Compared to his comrades, Michelangelo's power is only average. Enemies <laughs> around his feet usually fall prey to his nunchuckus onslaught, though, and his courage will amaze you. And that's, you know, I mean, Donatello is clearly more powerful. We know oh, yeah. that. He's the one. I don't feel like I was ever able to parse a damage difference between the other three turtles. Hmm. So early on, and I think maybe if you try to do it a little later, definitely. Cause it was, I was kind of being like, why is, I, I was thinking that Raphael and like Leonardo, I, I can really tell the difference, but I know specifically on certain enemies, Donatello would one shot them. Michelangelo would two shot them, or not Michelangelo, but Leonardo would two shot them. But then Michelangelo would take three hits, and that's oh, when right. I was like, "Yeah, see, I, was I like, never I'm use Michelangelo. I do. I have bitches later about the seeming randomness of that, but I'm 100 percent certain I saw randomness on the same enemies for Leonardo specifically. So that is where my bitch mm. comes from. Uh, that I'll get into later. Uh, yeah, I think. But I that's think a couple of them might be like because I also think that. At first, I thought Raphael was just as powerful, but he just was limited on his on his range. distance. Yeah, on his range. So I was using him at first because things were coming, and because he spun the size, he seemed to almost get like a little bit of an arc in front of him. So I found that helpful, but I, I, I eventually tossed him. And then, yeah, because Michelangelo seemed to be by far the weakest, I'm like, nah, I, I'll, I'll take Leo when I can use him. But if I could get away with it, I would use Donatello all the time just because of his sheer power, you know? Like, yeah, right. It's so slow, though. It, it is very slow. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they they do a, a decent job of the balancing uh, for the most part. But with, you know, with four characters, yeah, how much can you possibly, how much variance can you possibly See, introduce? Huh? But this is the thing, though. So, I will say, when we were going through this, and I'm reading this manual itself, like... It reminded me of all the ways I felt about this game, that despite it being such a big deal, you know, like hard to be popular, like I hated this one compared to the next three. Like I just really did like single player, all the things we're talking about, like if you liked Leonardo or if you liked Michelangelo and you didn't really want to play Michelangelo because you're like, man, this is so much harder playing with my favorite, you know, like the alliance <laughs> of right. like trying to find the weapons and we'll get into it, but just like. Like, reading through this is just like, oh, it, it makes me appreciate the next three in the series so much more. Because it's like, hey, if you like Michelangelo, play him. You'll enjoy it. Like, he's just like the other two. They have I, I hear movies, that, and I, I, you know. I agree that it should still be fun. I agree that wholeheartedly. But there is that is a thing about Turtles 2, the arcade game, that I fucking hate. That they all have the same range. Even though they're vastly different weapons, I think that that mm. always has bugged me. That Donatello's hmm. bow staff has the same reach as as Raphael's sigh. 
Like that sucks, I think. Hmm. So like from a gaming perspective, I like that there's differences. I think it sucks that we can't see like I need to feel I need to feel the the part of 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 Michelangelo's balance that is advantageous. And that's the problem I think is if he's the weakest, I need to feel his speed or I need to feel something yeah, that is an advantage for using him, and I agree. It just that they, feels like a why, why, right? Yeah, know. yeah. I, I I agree with that falling short, but I like, especially from a gaming perspective, in particular, if it's just gonna be a one player thing, which also sucks. I agree that this uh, turtles should be you. There should be some cooperative feel that should have been an immediate glaring thing from a game design standpoint that we and you know it's an NES game, so there's only so many bites, you know. Uh, right. And this game already <laughs> has so much going on. I'm sure it would have been a whole fucking different deal to make this a two player yeah. co op game. Uh, and then to you, and when you do that, you all if you're making a good game, anyways, if you do that, you have to then have code that balances it for the two different gaming modes, you know, and that's also a whole different thing. So you know, I, I, I as this being the first iteration, uh, there are plenty of things to bitch about, but I, that is one thing that I actually do like from a principle standpoint is that there is the turtles feel different, and they should feel different. You know, I don't think they should feel the same. Otherwise, you're talking about a palette swap, and I'm not impressed by that ever. Sure. So. Yeah, true. So moving on to Donatello, the it reads the dreaded bow, not to be confused with everyone's favorite ten. So I, I are they like Bo Derek? Is that who they're the, talking about? The, I said the exact same. Thing. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who Bo Derek is, but somehow that still popped into my mind as like a right. 1980s, 1990 person. It's got, so, it's got to be, yeah, it's, like it's got to be. I yeah, I don't. I mean, I I know she's a blonde chick. I don't. Know anything else? About right. Her. Like, <laughs> I did not expect this game to last right. over time, and for right. people to be talking about it ten years, right. twenty years later, thirty-four right. years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it is, it is very much uh, a. But you know, I mean, this entire property is—it's a miracle they've been able to drag thirty years out of it because it is such an a late '80s time capsule IP. You know, so. Uh, not surprising that they were embracing that even in the copywriting here, or, or felt fine doing so. You know. So it goes on to say, uh, don't be fooled by the fact that it looks like a simple stick because this baby can take out enemies from both above and below, and that is true. Oh. Per Nintendo Power, it reads, Don is the strongest turtle, but he's also very slow. And yes, he's easily the one, just going back to what we were just saying, he's easily the one where you feel the yin and the yang mm-hmm. of that weapon, you know, it is much slower. Like, even later on there, I want to say it was like in the Technodrome, maybe there was some enemy where I had to, you had to use it to be able to kill it in time before it got to you. And like, it would require two bow staff swings even. And like the second one was always just one just frame too, ahead. Too, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it, it worked. It got it. But it was just like one frame from getting, from getting hit, you know. Yeah. And like you, could, it was so close to not being fast enough, you know. So you, you can really feel that when you're playing with Donatello and, and using him in action sequences, you know. I mean, I prefer... I mean, he's my favorite turtle, and, and like my personal play style is very much to protect him at all costs because his attack capabilities are elite. And like, even in my, I love in my boss battle video in the Technodrome. There's this spot where you, just a little bit before Shredder, I think, where you come up this hill, and there's a some one of those kangaroo things or something down below. And like, I thought it would be an opportunity to do the rock steady trick where you just stab down with your bow and, and yeah. get without even having to engage the enemy. And it didn't quite reach. And like, 
that that cheese didn't work in that moment disappointed me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I expected to be able to cheese the game with that right there. And when it didn't happen or it wasn't possible, I was sad inside. So, yes, that ability to be able to take things out from so far above and below you is just such an advantage in this game. Um, it's, you know, it's often negated by the fucking... Uh, I'm spacing on the name of it now, where the shit just reappears. What is was it called? Uh, the enemies just reappear. Oh, they, the, enemies respawning and stuff. Respawning, yes, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, way too many 117 podcasts uh, about retro video games. <laughs> Should be able to remember respawning. Anyways, yeah, uh, because that happens, uh, you know, just relentlessly in this game. You can't just like when you start at the bottom left of a fucking action sequence. You can't just kill the thing above by the, the door above you. That you have to go all the way to the right and then go up and come all the way back. It's going to be back. So there's no. Exactly, it does at least yep. negate that. I guess maybe that's probably for the best challenge wise uh, but there are plenty of opportunities where you don't have that and you can use this to your advantage to kill something above or below you and not have to deal with it in a face-to-face manner and that's really really nice oh yeah there's uh, so many occasions where i i had to through the lovely ability of the rewind function in this game um use donatello kill something like or kill a sequence of enemies and like ah oh, breathe but because i had to like backtrack a little bit they they return and I'm just like just immediate sadness like <laughs> yeah yeah no, like not I, gonna, he's not he's not fast enough to make this work I gotta like yeah. switch to a, his alternate weapon or a different turtle like this is not working yep. and yeah I'm yeah I'm too way too protective of him to even you know late game there were a couple instances where I was like there's just no other way and and but the whole time I was doing that so much stress so much inner stress <laughs> that he's yeah. gonna take some damage like I don't want anything happening to him I want him unscathed at all times yeah. you know so uh, yeah there were a few instances late game where I had to get over that but my like I don't know my resource protection instincts in these video games he is that thing he is the he is the powerful weapon that I don't want to <laughs> fucking I'm just holding and never really use ultimately because I yeah. fucking am too worried about losing it you know Exactly. Yeah. So moving out of that turtle breakdown, the next notable thing is on page 10 is a level breakdown and it's titled New York, New York, a turtle in town. And I'm kind of blown away by the precise real world specificity of these locations. Like I was really surprised. Did certainly did not remember this. And that's because New York had no significance to me whatsoever as a child, I suppose. Yep. Uh, now it does, of course. And that's why this is interesting. But so we have level one is Fifth Avenue and Greenwich Village, which is like so specific. You that know, is like, very specific, right? Greenwich <laughs> Village is so specific, you know. And then level two is Hudson River near the Holland Tunnel. That's like I, I lived right there, dude. Like I know that exact spot, 36th and fucking 10th, between 9th and 10th. Like I lived there, dude, uh, which was the fucked up, most fucked up place I lived in all my time in NYC, by the way. It's right across the street from a, a halfway house. Uh, homeless shelter type deal and holy shit did crazy shit happen on that street <laughs> I can only imagine <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like I said right by the tunnel too it just like that's over in near that's just like all industrial buildings and shit over there you know it's just all like, the crazy, crazy stuff is yeah crazy ass <laughs> right by you know right by you're actually closer to Penn Station than you are to Times Square even on 36 so yeah just fucking crazy absolutely nuts neighborhood only I was there like three or four months maybe like in between Finally getting my own apartment up on up in Spanish Harlem. Anyways, uh, level three is Wall Street. 
Level four is JFK International Airport. <laughs> I wonder why they chose that over LGA. I'm curious. To know what the, <laughs> right? Like why? why yeah, yeah. Why? I don't know. Uh, whatever. Uh, level five is Shredder's base inside the South Bronx. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll let's nice. say about that later too. And then level six is the Technodrome. And then we get a little more sexy breakdown action on pages 11, 12, and 13. First weapons and pickups, and then, then enemies. And the first grunts titled, first the grunts rather, and it's titled Enemies Galore. And we have some really fun art here for foot soldiers, mousers, fire freaks, search copters. Get to the chopper! <laughs> the ceiling walking mutants called stick em ups, and then the roller cars that patrol the overworld map streets. I thought the I listened to on that topic, dude. I listened to the WTF podcast, Mark Maron's podcast. He interviewed Arnold Schwarzenegger this week, and I cannot recommend it enough. It he is. It's funny, like uh, Maron's like intro prior to the interview, before you know he basically clicks on the recording that he did with the person. He'll talk use often about just kind of like how he felt going into it and how. He felt throughout it, and you know he he put it really eloquently. I thought in saying that, like, no matter what, you know, like he like there's a lot of polarizing shit about, especially recent Schwarzenegger shit. But he's like, he is inarguably a fascinating human being to think about, to see in person, to talk everything about him. There's not a person on the planet who doesn't know who he is, and there and he is entirely self aware about that. But able to tactfully live that without being unbearable to be around, you know? Mm. And it makes for a really interesting dynamic of a human being. And the interview, you know, it's hour plus, And, like, it, you, it is just a fascinating thing to listen to, to listen to him talk uh, in that really candid setting you know which is nice. mark Maron records that podcast in his garage it's like a very which is why it's so successful i think it's because he 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 curates an environment that generates openness in his interviewees more so than i think a lot of interview environments do you know and uh and i'm sure it's a, a testament to just Maron's personality too on his style of being a comedian. But yeah, really good listen. Highly recommend. Uh, just came out this week. Look it up. Anyways, I thought the roller car description was very interesting and fourth wall breaking. Uh, and this sent me on a little bit of a Google tangent too. Uh, in search of turtle fodder, Foot Clan platoons tour New York's famous avenues in these roller cars. And in, in a parenthetical, it reads, once used by David Letterman during his now famous smashing, in quotation, episodes. And I was a pretty big David Letterman fan, Jay. And I mean, I admittedly didn't probably get into him this early. Or I definitely didn't get into him this early 89. It was probably more like late middle school, early high school that I started watching his show every night. Right. Uh, but I have big David Letterman fans. So I would think I would have at least some understanding of references regarding his show shit. And not at all, though. Uh, sure enough, punch in this, sh this into YouTube, though. And there's a Letterman YouTube channel. To begin with, which I didn't know and is interesting. It has all sorts of clips and shit uh, from the entire run of the show. But there was a time when, yes, he would very simply go to places in the outskirts of NYC and ask passerbys. He would just walk up to passerbys and ask what they'd like to see flattened by a steamroller. 
And whatever the fuck they wanted to see, he would then show a steamroller rolling over it. <laughs> so, like, just, like, such a weird, quirky-ass choice uh, of a bit, you know, of a, of a location bit. But they do exist, and there's videos of him rolling over all sorts of interesting shit. Uh, and that's <laughs> that's what inspired this particular enemy in the game. And I thought that just infinitely fascinating, you know. Very, very interesting. That's a totally 80s thing to have. Yes. Yeah, agreed. agreed. I saw this thing on the TV. It was cool. Uh, We're putting it in the game. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. There is also a page of Karate Bosses, uh, as it's titled, featuring some of the Story World's greatest hits and all their impeccably illustrated glory, Bebop and Rocksteady, Mecha Turtle, Big Mouser, The Technodrome, and Shredder. Sadly, there are no play tips, but there is a third page of scorekeeping lines at the end, so... Uh, a little bit of the manual staple expectations are fulfilled here at the very end. So talk to me about history, Jay. Uh, the Turtles. I mean. um, and Game Genie Codes that didn't make me feel like I was cheating. So when we're talking about Game Genie Codes that it didn't make me feel like I was cheating, I didn't use a single code. I didn't even look them up. Like I guess using playing on the Xbox is going to curb that inclination. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, it really doesn't, it kind of has the same functionality as you would have if you're emulating, where you can just save, save your game or load it. Sure. Um, but also, there's like a, one of your bumpers is just like a rewind function. So like, I could try something that didn't work, rewind, try something else, rewind, you know what I mean? So I kind of did that a couple of times, um, and that was enough. You know, this, I would say that this game was, you know, it had the toughness that I remember, and I, I played it straight up i didn't try to cheese outside of you know rewinding some places which clearly is you know part of the experience i would say um, <laughs> of using yeah, this no. version but no i because of that i just i didn't even have the desire to look up game union codes i know there are a lot but even if i was to like that's not something i would want to use anyway right like with with a game like this because of what i remember of it it's like hey i don't need to do crazy things and you know have start with 99 kyle blades or whatever you know what i mean i, I don't need to i might i might actually embraced a start with 99 scrolls thing just so i had to do the grinding on those because oh, that man. that that was just i mean i, I don't know, i guess because i had not gotten anywhere near that far in the game and never done that but kind of vaguely knew i was supposed to i guess figuring there is some commentary to be had on the choice of where you do grind them, how hard you do grind on them, going through that experience of grind. So I guess it's probably best that I wasn't able to, but that is that when I think of game genie codes that I would embrace and not feel bad about, not feel like mm. I was cheating, that is probably the one. Just really not to deal not have to deal with the grinding the scrolls to get ninety nine of them, you know? Wow. Well, I mean it's fascinating to me that you would say that that was even a goal of yours. Cause like the scrolls, like I, I had a vague recollection of like, Hey, I think this scroll is like powerful. And then when I tried it, I was like, Oh yeah, I want to hold on to this. But like the idea of getting 99 was never a thought in my mind. So that would have felt like overkill to me. So I'm, I'm fascinated that you had that thought of like getting that many of them as being uh, yeah. necessary. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean the, my, wherever the hell I would have gleaned it was, I mean, we'll, we can get into this later, but yeah, I mean, I was under the impression that I should have 99 everyone, and I made a what? conscious choice. Yeah, I made a conscious choice not to do that for a couple of reasons that I'll get into, and I, I had massive FOMO going into the tail end of the game that I would not 
be able to do it because I stubbornly didn't do that. So, wow. yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. shocked at that idea, man. I, like, I had varying, like, each of my turtles, I think, had a different weapon going into the end. But in my mind, I was like, whoever had the scroll, I was like, all right, I just, you know, give me like 40. Like, I don't remember how it's going down. I don't know what's happening. I don't know, but I don't know how you beat hopefully the game. Hopefully, like 40, enough. dude. Oh, my God. Dude, I, that I was tunnel, using That tunnel in the Technodrome? Fucking right before, right before you go upstairs to Shredder's oh, level. That, that so, tunnel? is that If you don't pick. have... If you're not able to just spit scrolls out the whole time you're walking down that, I don't know how you get through there. So, I use scrolls in that area. Because, like, I, I would try the boomerangs. I was trying other... And then I was, I'll try the freaking Ninja Stars. I'm like, what? This is just... So, that's when I started using scrolls. But I, I was still only using, like... Wait until the couple enemies, the three at a time, were going. All right, scroll. Oh, you know, I was very. I I, I can't oh, wait to talk man. about the end of the game. Then this, I, oh my god, let's yeah, just you, played, let's, you played let's, so differently than me. Let's like, table Whoa. this topic for sure because I I have a million questions right now, and let's let's focus on yeah. the task at hand. Uh, um, uh, so history, history. Yeah, and honestly, not a whole lot of crazy history with this one. I mean, this did come out after the turtles' second television season of the show. So first season came out. Oh my gosh! Second season came out, and then we had this game, um, commercially success, you know successful. I think it's ended up selling over like four million units worldwide. But a lot of reviews came out. GameSpy gave it like two point seven out of ten. IGN gave it like five point five out of ten. Damn that you know? low! That's crazy. Yeah, citing the game's very hard difficulty, <laughs> its unpolished and unfun nature, and you know people love the music and things like that because it was ninja turtles and, but like yeah, but like ign gave it you know that score because like oh it's nostalgic that for hardcore fans crazy but they said the, the controls were poor enemies are bland which i will say like it's not like we're fighting foot clan like people that you recognize a lot like as the regular grunts you're just fighting a lot of weird things which is fine but, i had that i had that thought yeah you know that is that is kind of like one of those rope things that gets said about this game and yet you do have some weird shit. Those fire. There are some weird things in here. But I, it's most, not terrible. I, I, it's yeah, not I still think yet. the majority of it is is absolutely from the universe. All the bosses are like it's you know you don't have it's not as off base as I think the yeah. common perception of it is in that regard. And there you know it's a fucking action side scrolling game. Yeah, I was actually by the end kind of impressed. With how many different, I'll get into that too, but how many different enemy sets there were and the variants there because I didn't expect that to change throughout the whole game as it does, you know. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to knock that too hard. It certainly would be better to have all shit that you know from the cartoons and stuff. But, yeah, like you said, you know, I mean, the comic books, I don't know enough about the comic books to know how much that changed or if they almost always fought. Like I know that I think they invented Bebop and Rocksteady for the cartoons for even. For the cartoon. Yeah, but they, that's, those but that's didn't my even thing. like But that's my thing. Like even from a fan standpoint, like even if you like let's take the majority of people in the US who heard of Ninja Turtles at the time, you're not a comic book person. You you saw the 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 show, then you saw the second season of the show and you're like, "Oh, that's what I want." So you get that and you come to this game you're not doing even ninja stuff. You're using boomerangs and this weapon. You're not you're not doing jump kicks and flips and throws like I mean you're flipping, but like 
you're not doing a lot more ninja stuff like in the second, third, or fourth game. Like that, <laughs> a lot, a like lot when you ninja. look at those. But games, I don't think, I think, I, I want to argue with this, Jay. I don't think the Ninja Turtles do ninja stuff. I think they fight. They just fight. Like, they fight just like an action side-scrolling game. They just wacky swack shit with their weapons. They don't do ninja shit, really. In That's my, what I'm saying. But like yeah. in the in the in the show, though, like they do more like kicking and throwing and I'm talking like about the in the show. My memory of the cartoon is and the and the the movie, if you want to go, if you want it, oh, no. is a lot more just what? again, like it feels no. like a no, dude, like they have swords and katanas and size, like no one's getting stabbed, no one's getting sliced up, like they're getting kicked and thrown and tossed and like all those Ta- nine, yeah i guess there is you know what tossing, i mean yeah, that's what i'm yeah, saying yeah. like so when you when you take the latter games two through four you're doing a lot more like tossing kicking throwing like yes yeah. you have your weapon so you're hitting them too that's clearly part of it but there's more of that stuff that you're used to like hey let's do that together so i think F- i support full body ninja dumb yeah, <laughs> get your whole body involved man get it in there like no na- no half-ass yeah. ninja moves today sure like, sure 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 so not su- fair, not surprised fair, fair. at the at the reception because clearly as soon as the game two came out it's like we love this let's give us more of that but fair 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 well we are uh, might want to consider ourselves in a golden era of economic analysis because i have another one here whoa uh, so we're on a hot streak with those <laughs> but the one I cooked up, it took me, I almost didn't have one, and then very loud, literally laying in bed this morning, I thought of this, <laughs> oh. <laughs> right before I got, right before I woke up. How much did the turtle blimp cost? Because that's, how the fuck, you know, like, blimps are not, oh. that's not a common, not a common vehicle, <laughs> Let me period. just grab my blimp. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it's so funny, too, we'll get into that, but that's, it's so funny how, like, they just have it parked at JFK. <laughs> like, it's insane. At the International uh, Airport, of course. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking insane. Okay, so, yeah, the blimp was constructed. i just looking up the wiki and shit. The blimp was constructed by Donatello and modeled after a, a German Zeppelin was the idea, I guess, um, in, in this. And obviously the most famous blimp is the Goodyear blimp. Everyone, I don't think there's anyone who would argue that. Uh, and that was reported in a 2019 Business Insider article to have cost $21 million and some change. So that's how much the Goodyear blimp costs. And this is a fun little fact, too, just Googling around about this. According to an August 2022 Mental Floss article, there are only 25 blimps like that, like of that size, uh, left on the planet. And only about half of them are in use, mostly for aerial photography and advertising and shit. So Makes sense. Kind of went the way of the dodo as far as as far as far modes of air travel go, uh, for a lot of obvious reasons. I did find, like, I was Googling around, there's like, you know, like a... I found a handful of funny little things. There's like this website from like 2006 of this company that was starting that was trying to like uh, basically have a, a personal blimp startup company. And, you know, like the website is hilarious. What? Like I said, it's 2006. So it looks very, uh, it, it looks like a website from 1996, but they timestamp it as 06 on the website. So it's, it's a funny ass website. So there's shit like that. I found this company that is doing personal blimp they, they're calling them blimp rides but they're really just a modified hot air balloon they're not using helium basically to and that's that's a critical component of what we think of as a blimp and certainly the turtle blimp here is they're using helium gas which is such a uh, part of the reason why they went away is because that's a very dangerous thing it's highly flammable hence the hindenburg and all that shit like there's right. there's a there's a lot of uh reasons why it's not the safest way to put something in the air 
<laughs> so this, yeah, this company is doing you know a, a modified thing, a modified hot air balloon, and of course in that situation these are one very small, I think smaller than the turtle blimp, and much cheaper, of course. So you know there's some gray area to this even equation as there is with all these equations of course but this one in particular has a lot of moving parts to it um yeah i do believe like comparing it to the goodyear blimp the turtles blimp i mean like i do believe there are some sophisticated systems in the turtles's blimp looking at the wiki offerings and kind of the weaponry it had and shit and just the way it works it's actually a a, a separate glider it's not a, a traditional gondola it's like this detachable glider that they could uh, could operate as its own standalone flying apparatus, you know. So I think that's pretty high tech, you know, and different than your traditional right. gondola. Uh, and then I'll add the weapons too, of course. Uh, so there are some differences, but it is no question smaller too. You know, it's I, the like the Goodyear blimp. I think said fucking could hold like twenty five people in a pilot or some shit like that. And there's clearly I feel like Donatello's would not do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be overkill. They're not they're not doing t- uh, tour rides with it. It's a it's a battle vehicle. So yeah, in the cartoon and toy line, like I mentioned, it's a that detachable jet ski looking kind of thing that they could fly off and do their own thing with, which kind of like brings into question like why even bother? I mean, I guess it's just a glider. It's not like a, it doesn't have a takeoff apparatus. So theoretically, you're using the blimp to get it airborne, and then you glide from that. But that is a highly inefficient plan. <laughs> so I don't know. That definitely feels like some old school, like this is all the technology we got type. <laughs> right, right. So let's just go with it. Yeah. Let's yeah. just get us up there. Yeah. No, whatever. So I found this Quora article from May of this year written by someone who no doubt is a certified blimp building expert. And they broke the cost down into categories. So I'm using that to spitball through these numbers here. So the skin envelope of a blimp, which is the blimp basically, mm-hmm. can run anywhere from a few hundred thousand dollars on smaller smaller end to well over a million for bigger blimps, Goodyear size deals, you know. So I'm being theirs being comparably smaller, I'm going to cap this at about 300k is my estimate here for the for the skin. Then the gondolas uh, can range for anywhere from 100k to a million dollars depending on size, amenities, complexity, etc. The turtles, as I mentioned, will be very complex, I think, but rather small, and we do have the weapons to deal with, too, which I would find to be called cluster bombs, according mm. to the wiki, is what the, the little bombs, which, do you, do you recall the toy? Jab had the toy, like I mentioned. So I remember these little fucking, oh, yeah. they looked oh, yeah. like old school World War II bombs, you know, uh, and I don't exactly know what a cluster, I don't know, exactly, I should have looked up what that means exactly, but... Whatever bombs and the glider also has a laser on the front that could, that would shoot in the cartoons. So that'll raise uh, the price. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, laser, <laughs> lasers are probably expensive. Uh, so yeah, a lot of tech. So I'm going to call this 750. Uh, yeah, on, I was on, thinking uh, the same on, thing. Good number. Good. <laughs> fair number. Yeah, entirely <laughs> fair number. Uh, and then the propulsion control systems usually come in around 500k diesel uh, engine. Probably at this time, it's going to be a diesel engine. All that, and then last but not least, there are some regulatory regulatory compliance costs and fuel, etc. The tack on nominal uh, expenses as well. Naturally. Called this 15k, just just as a whatever. And I'm also thinking of that just the one flight, basically, because that's all we see in the game is them taking this one flight from JFK to, I guess, what the South Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> Which think about the logistics of that. They're all over Manhattan for the beginning of the game. So they go to JFK to get the blimp to go back west to 
the to the South Bronx, which would be infinitely more accessible via a subway ride of right. Like, I don't like know, they 30, decided 30 to minutes, blimp maybe. it up from the <laughs> right, to yeah, the completely. Like, and where the okay. fuck do you land a blimp in the South Bronx? Also, <laughs> a lot of a lot of questions to be raised there. But whatever. <laughs> this these 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 numbers total up to one point six six five million in twenty twenty three dollars. So we want to take that back to 89, and that is a 59.7, negative 59.7% inflation rate, and that number comes out to be $670,784.21 for Donatello to slap this bad boy together. And that makes me think that Splinter and his tots must have been running quite the Etsy shop out of their sewer lair (laughs) to finance that baby, not to mention all the other gadgetry that they employ in the cartoons and probably the comic books as well. That is the boss battle theme, getting us into our playthrough of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the Nintendo Entertainment System. And we start with the title screen. They did a fantastic J-O-B with this, opening on that same title treatment from the box on that black card so the music can rip in and get your blood flowing. So good. We get an awesome one-by-one introduction of each of the turtles, Leo, Raph, Mike, Don, and I realized something that I find really fucking interesting as I was analyzing this. This is the order that I think of their existence in. Think about that. <laughs> think about that. Oh, yeah. And, it, yeah, and if, if, like, if I were to set up the action figures here on my desk, that is the order I would put them in. And... I can't think of any other memorable instance where they are presented in this order, even in the cartoon intro. In the cartoon, it's Leo, Don, Raph, Mike. That's how seminal this game is to my TMNT-dom and childhood. That it literally represents the their existence to me. They it like the organization of the fucking their existence is this video game. And that <laughs> if you think about that is crazy because the cartoon was also fucking huge for me. I don't know. I guess we haven't talked about that yet, but oh, yeah, man. dude. I remember. I can remember that would have been when I was living like so. My parents got divorced. I went and lived with my mom. We were like living at some fucking asshole friend of hers house in their attic. I want to say essentially, but not essentially, in their attic. And I remember sitting on the couch in that house watching Teenage Mutant Turtles, the cartoon. And I feel like I want to say it the first time. Because that's the first memory I have of wow. anything, anything turtle-related. And... That would have had to have been, I think, 1988. Maybe 89, but probably 88. So, 
yeah <laughs> like you know that that checks basically out. basically checks yeah basically <laughs> the order in the cartoon was definitely before i played the game right yeah of course so all the more reason that this gets the credit it does for having the impact that it did because this is how the order I think of them in, you know? So right. it's, it, that is crazy <laughs> to me. That is very, very crazy to me. Oh man. Yeah. The show was great. It's funny to, it's funny now too. going back to your, your opening about like what was going on at the time you say Indiana Jones at the theater. Now, right now, Indiana, Indiana Jones is at the theater and my children are watching the current season of Teenage Mutant yeah, well. Ninja Turtles. Like, like on their own, maybe partly because they knew that I was playing this for this episode. Maybe not. I don't know. Either way, they are watching the current no. series of Ninja Turtles. and they The reason it. for this, Jay, is because corporations are I knew you were gonna say. soulless husks, <laughs> cunts that are incapable of coming up with new stuff and are just regurgitating the same things over and over again. That's why that's happening. But it is also a mild testament to the enjoyment capability of this particular IP. I agree. Yes. But that's not the main, <laughs> that's not the main reason. <laughs> of course. Of course. We all, we all recognize, like, we, want, we, want, we love to see certain franchi- franchises, excuse me, that were great when we were kids. You know, if they can be well done, like, oh, it's great to see that. There's just a lot of that. <laughs> There's just yeah. a lot of that. Uh, a lot a is lot. a lot is a very small, a lot, a lot, a comparatively <laughs> very small way to word that. Yes. Did you have? Did you collect the trading cards for the cartoon? They also, I guess, there were there were trading cards for both the movie and the cartoon. I had both, but did you? Do you know what I'm talking about? And did you collect them? I do know what you're talking about. I did not collect them. I had some. I didn't like actively collect them. I loved the toys, so I, you know, we got the toys. My favorite one was clearly Leonardo was my first one. My brother got oh man Donatello. I should have been. I remember getting one of the turtles as my first one, but I can't remember which one. I want to say it was probably my. It had to be Michelangelo. I was definitely like I like Donatello more now. As a kid, I like Michelangelo more. No question. So it was probably Michelangelo was my very first one, but I do not recall that. I have a. We'll get into the action figures later. Uh, (laughs) There's obviously plenty to say about that, but yeah, this the the trading card thing just came. I still have the full set. I think both, actually. I think I have both full sets still. I don't wow. think I would have ever gotten rid of those. Uh, I'm pretty sure I still have them at my uncle's house. So, yeah, the, I mean, I can, dude, I, the fucking, I can remember the cartoon trading card set was 88 cards. I remember that specifically. I can, the second, there was a second addition to them, which I did not get all of. I didn't, I, I was out of it by then or didn't, didn't want to do the cards for whatever reason. I don't have the whole second set, but that whole first set had the light green border in like turtle shell whatever design and yeah 88 cards in that and i want to say i might be mixing it up with the batman movie set too which i also collected the full set of uh but i want to say the movie set had like 132 cards i want to i want to google that shit right now because that's that wow and i and and i'm that sick that it's so fascinating to me that like this franchise was so good that we're talking about collecting different things. Like I'm, you're talking about collecting all of these cards while I, at the same time am dropping 
quarters on the daily at the arcades like when this came out you know what i mean like i just i loved that and then i'm like give me all the toys i can find like that was always the ask for me as soon as it came out i was like yes i want the, i want the ninja turtle toys as like I, I need to have all of them so i would like steadily get them for like you know birthdays and oh yeah you know, dude i kind of jab and i had celebrations like we'll get uh, jab jab and i had so many of them we spent i mean you know there's i don't think there's yeah i think it's worth saying that I don't believe there is another action figure line I spent more focused time on. You know what I mean? Really? Like, yeah. I mean, the way kids' toys, you know, you get in, you get in, you get out. You kind of like your interest wanes. Something new comes along. You just kind of switch over, folk, whatever. There's not – I don't think there's a toy line that I spent more time on. You know, mm. like focused is like the main – the primary fucking toy goal was Turtles for a long fucking time, man. I think for yeah, me, I'm, that was probably... I'm, I'm looking up the fucking tr- the, the trading cards, dude. The, the, I'm looking at the packs. Uh-huh. The o- unopened packs, like the wrapper on them. Oh, my God. I just came... I can... Uh, <laughs> an, uh, an immeasurable amount of... of 132 so, cards. 132 cards on the movie. Fucking set, bro. Right. Who's the fucking <laughs> champion of Nostalgia Minutia right here? <laughs> Oh, yeah, weird. ridiculous. Yeah, if yeah, if you don't remember what the packs look like, listener, Google that and enjoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so back to the video game. For each of the party ninjas, they show a little turtle mutating into a full-blown Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, which then performs all the in-game attack animations with their primary weapon, which is cool. Yeah. Cut to a cool cropped pixel art rendition of the turtle crash scrolling into place, then name and weapon type. Text pops up next to it, and they have a nice group animation of all four Turtles' pixel art after the one-by-one portion as well. That looks really cool. After the Turtle intro, we get two shots that communicate all the story setup you could possibly need for this video game. We have Splinter, surrounded by the amphibious foursome, pointing towards the top right corner in the bottom left corner. And then a beat passes, and then the way they animate this, it's like the spotlight is going from one to the, the other. And basically just the square moves (laughs) to the top right corner. And the light focus goes to Shredder holding April captive all tied up. And he's flanked by a few, or they are flanked by a few foot soldiers. And yes, get helpless objectified female on three. One, two, three, get princess. (laughs) Controls and HUD. For the controls, as the manual highlighted, we have a few different game modes in which the controls differ. We have the overworld. This top-down view is very simplistic, but you do still have your attack with the B button to deal with some of the baddies that we encounter here. And you putz around with the D-pad, obviously. Start brings up the information screen. We'll talk about with the HUD stuff in a moment. And then when you go into stages, after you enter a manhole or a building or whatever it might be, you scoot, uh, or rather, it changes to a side view where things become a very traditional action game. And B still attacks. A jumps. There are two forms of that. You have a long depression, sending the turtle into a tight somersault. You have a great deal of control over, horizontally, I mean. And you can even backtrack the direction that you came from, so you have a lot of control on that jump. And then a short tap is a much shorter duration jump where you do not go into the somersault. And mastering these two and knowing when to employ them is a critical part of being good at this video game, or at least as good as you could be, or anyone Dude, could be. I, <laughs> I, for that reason, I took for the first, like, I don't know. I don't know when it was. I started the game, and I think, like, whenever the first jump happened, I did just that. Like, I jumped, I rewound it. 
I like tap jumped. I rewound it again. I, I jumped longer. I tapped yeah. it, tapped it, rewound it again. Did the full spin? You know, I was trying to just get yeah. used to them, like, all right, give me, let me, let, yeah, get and used to what this is. That's a great point. Even rolling. even the short tap jump has variance to it. You can yeah. jump, you can short tap a little more, a little less. And like, I, I'm thinking my Technodrome fight right now, and I kept fucking jumping up into the bullet. And the bullet, it's so, you know. If you just do the short tap, you stay underneath those bullets. But I kept fucking getting hit in the face with the bullets. Dude, and I was like, motherfucker! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did, a, I did yeah. that on one – I can't remember what part it was, too. That I kept rewinding. I was like, no, I can get – like, no, I, I keep hitting it. It took me, <laughs> yeah, like, right, five yeah. jumps, and I finally yeah. got it. I was like, that's yeah, the so jump. Yeah, that's not just your Xbox controller. That's just the video game, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of to do with the jumping in this game, both from a control standpoint and just the employment and how it interacts with the environment. So – Getting good at that is critical. Select will toggle between your primary and secondary weapon, should you have one. And start again brings up the info screen here as well. And generally, I mean, you know, you were saying that the reviews said otherwise. I think, in my opinion, I think the controls work quite well. I don't, you know, I mean, yes, we were just talking about that one instance, but I expected to be able to do that right. And that's why it was frustrating. And if I had went through an entire video game where I had no control over that because of shitty controls, I would not have been frustrated there. I would have just been calling it an asshole video game. <laughs> you know, so I, in my opinion, I think, like again, like, yeah, the control of the somersault jump is awesome. And you can attack oh, yeah. at will from it, you know, which is also yeah. awesome. And you can yeah, time I mean, where a, you want to jump from, right. where you want to attack from. Like, I just want to attack mid-screen versus, right. like, a three-quarter screen. Yep. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, so I think you have a ton of control, and there's you know there's a few infamous parts where jumping is a huge pain in the ass, uh, you, where you even think you have to jump and you shouldn't be jumping. You can just walk over it. Like there's a few of those things, like AVG, AVGN style, overblown fucking perceptions about things. But generally speaking, I don't have a lot of shit to talk about controls. And even and also on the same token, I think hitboxes are reasonable and accurate for the turtles, the enemies, and your and their attacks. Like. Uh, you know, the also infamously so, there's maybe some shaky moments of this shit in the underwater stage where, like, you're taking damage from those tendrils and things, and oh maybe gosh. you don't feel like you should be, but above water, I'd say <laughs> yeah. it's all fine and dandy. You know, I don't have anything to say any shit to talk. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the my worst issue with controls, my biggest issue especially starting out was the typical do I use the control stick or the control the the control pad pad you know yeah, and I, I clearly went I went pad you know because that that worked better than a stick precision you, know, yeah, you need need precision for these games for sure you need to be able to just tap forward uh, <laughs> you need to be able to inch up to platform <laughs> and shit is, is a very important part of old school video gaming that is not necessarily um, a modern day thing with all, with the stick controls so with the HUD on the overall map, we don't have a dedicated HUD, but there is an overlay of your selected turtle's life bar at the bottom, and the stage view does have a HUD at the bottom. Down here we can see score, high score, life bar, boxes, life bar for both you and bosses, or many bosses when you're in a phrase with them, and there are boxes displaying your primary and secondary weapon over on the right-hand side. The info screen is a bunch of shit going on. In the top left quadrant is a map that shows where on the overworld map you are. And it remains the overworld map location even when you go into a stage area. It's no help with navigating those at all. So that is actually – and, like, I was surprised 
with how frequently I consulted this. And I was yeah. I guess, surprised and impressed with how frequently I referred to this to get a handle on where I was, where I wanted to go. So uh, I think it's inarguably a well-done and very helpful map. Yeah. It also makes in, me in think, map. it makes me wonder, like, did I just not consult that much as a kid? Because I feel like I used it way more than I did Kids as are a stupid. Kid. That, that's you know? what it is. Like, yeah, no. All, I mean, all these. It, and, yeah, like, I didn't play it a lot as a kid. Like, a lot, a lot, you know, because I didn't own it as well. But still. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a few. The I mean, the, you know, I have a whole. I've talked about it before. It'll be redundant even. But I, I'm we're doing the episode, so I'm going to talk about it again. You know, my childhood experience with the underwater level dude just like oh. <laughs> as was the stupidity the stupidity <laughs> the stupidity is just flabbergasting that Speaking i for all that us. i yes. perceived it to be what i is just incredible right to me. Yeah. right yeah like i, I went yeah so yes with this map the red squares are traversable areas and the white squares are entry points to sewers, buildings, other POIs. Yep. And uh, then the blue stuff is basically inaccessible shit. And on the bottom left quadrant is a built-in hint system, which is also much like, honestly, you know, we, we've talked about before, kind of like, when's the first in-game map? Like, this is an 89 game. And there we have, we haven't been tracking. <laughs> that, would act, that would make a phenomenal, like, uh, infographic of some kind, like the uh, timeline of... In-game video map systems. In, in, yeah, in-game map systems. <laughs> right. Video games would make a, a really cool and beautiful infographic. So I don't know exactly where this falls. I can't think of a con- contextual situation where we have. I mean, Final Fantasy is 1990. And I know we talked about that probably undeniably being the RPG mm-hmm. foothold on that uh, idea. But I don't know otherwise. Um, in any event, it's... Certainly an early one, and and the usefulness of it is great. The in-game hint system also, though, I think is is, is a rather forward-thinking and interesting thing. Uh, You know, it's debatable how helpful these hints may be. Uh, But there are some situations, particularly if you're lost, where, like, they're they're suggesting directions to go or, like, what your objective is, I guess. And honestly, that's the thing, too. Talking about playing as a kid, like, I think that part of the confusion is the stupidity of children's inability to conceive or perceive objectives. Like, I, I can see where I'm at. And if you put it right in front of me, like it's it's object uh, permanence, basically. It's like if you put the objective right there and I can see it, I as a child can grasp that's what I have to do. But if you have something that I can't see, I can't get my mind four chess like moves down the I road. Know which way right. to, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can't you can't do that. <laughs> I think a kid struggles with that more. So this is a, a very helpful thing, I think, for mitigating that part of, of this game. If you can get the dumb kid to read it, which is the other problem. <laughs> and, like, and like that also was... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I was going to say, it also makes a lot more sense now because we've played so many video games. Like, it just made more sense when we hit that start button. And it's like, oh, yeah, that these are sewer openings. Duh. But, like, as a kid... I I might not, I might have did that and just like I don't even know what those what are yeah. we looking at you know like, I probably what are these lights you know <laughs> I going through so I I logged the dialogue things as I you know yeah. inattentively would do for any video game and for the podcast and I couldn't believe how many of them I didn't remember you know and and there some of them are so memorable too you know so. I think that's just a testament to, again, another one of those situations where just as a kid, oblivious. Like, yeah, it's there. It's going. I fuck off. I'm not even 
not taking the time. It's not happening. <laughs> yep. Give me the action. I'm going to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, let's Where's go. the foot clamp? Where's the right. foot clamp? How yeah. little time can I spend on this no action screen? Let's. How fast <laughs> exactly. can I get to the part where... Yeah, so, yeah, I think that that is very much um, was apparent to uh, me here uh, in this thing. Um, so, yeah, so here at the beginning, a Splinter is the one offering you pointers and some light suggestions on how to pursue these objectives. Later, after saving April, she will also be there to chime in, and they'll kind of randomly alternate, I think, in a lot of cases, uh, to give you these little pointers throughout the video game, which is a, a cool thing. And you can, like I said, you can, they have a little pixel art of which one of them it is right there next to it, so it, it keeps it very in-story world and stuff. It's... It's Good pretty stuff, cool, man. I think. And then the right half of the screen shows all four turtles, their life status, their life bar status, rather, and the secondary weapon they have stowed away. You can change to another turtle via this at will, overworld, or in stage mode. So you can at any time, any moment, which is critical, because the second you start to hear that beep, 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 beep of the life oh, meter, man. it's time to switch. You don't want to lose a turtle. Losing a turtle in this game is a whole fucking to-do, and you oh, do not want to do it, you know. And there's enough pizza, too, where it's very much, I mean, especially stage coming, but even uh, playing at OG early stages at least, of course, there becomes a point in this game we will talk about that I don't see how you do without saves coming. We'll get there, though. But whatever the case, pizza is prevalent, and switching to them to replenish when you find that pizza is very possible and 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 easy to do, uh, and and I think part of the intended game loop, you know? So just paying close mind to this, getting the fuck off that turtle and getting to another one is is part of the natural. Pizza's here. Who needs it? Donatello? All right. You yeah. Know. Right, right, right. And I, yeah, again, too, I think my boss battle video, dude, there's a moment where, like, I had to, like, I'm, like, wait, like, who who should be getting this pizza? Like, there's, there's certainly a strategy to it <laughs> that, that I enjoyed, I guess, you know, it was pretty cool. So, we do start in, you know, and, like, honestly, Greenwich Village. Greenwich Village. I guess Fifth Avenue is probably the the east border of Greenwich Village. Yes, not it wouldn't be Broadway because Broadway because because Broadway at Fourteenth is what it's at it's at Fourteenth it's at Seventh Avenue. Yeah, I was gonna you know, say if, if you different. don't know Manhattan, Broadway starts Midtown West. Uh, or, no, all the way. Sorry, all the way uptown, but it starts on the west side of town, and as it you get to the southern tip of the island, which it goes all the way to, literally. The fucking South, it's dead ends of the South Ferry to go to Staten Island. The. You're on the east. It, it slowly works its way eastward to theoretically the middle, you know? So it's always on the west side, technically, I suppose, uh, but it's slowly working its way across the avenues as you go downtown. And yeah, I mean, I feel like, I mean, Greenwich Village is what? It, it's, it's Houston. Oh, man. To. To what? To, I mean, it might be. Like, they might not be wrong worst. about that. <laughs> they might not be wrong about that. Either way, though, it seems like a weird choice. I like their avenues. specificity, but yeah, it is kind of like. Yeah, okay. I feel like it would be at best the eastern border of. But also Spanish. in 1989, so maybe it did. Maybe it looked a little more where. No, that well, no. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, like the streets that. have not changed. I'm, like, like I'm thinking of like. You know, more uptown, which have changed more recently. But I'm like down there eh, a little bit. Eh. And I guess, I, mean, I guess, what you could argue is, or not argue, but if you wanted to, you know, try to like find a way to get there, neighborhoods are 
it's just uh it's how they're perceived you know i mean there are technical borders to them but i think the governing body and that's in quotation marks of what these neighborhoods are and how they're defined and what they're called is a little bit of a fluid thing and you think you think maybe they're thinking more like meatpacking area you know like when i think of like what this looks like in my mind sure well yeah no but that's yeah. that, i think that's applicable to all these that yeah. that i i have my points about every one of these being not the best representation of right. this part of the city you know That's so fair. we we'll get into that too uh you know i whatever we'll get into that too but <laughs> you just again just literally that series of words fifth avenue and greenwich village is a little weird to me you know <laughs> yeah. but that if you're out if you're not a manhattanite if you're not a new yorker like, whatever. that means that means <laughs> which that's exactly the point as a kid it certainly didn't you know i didn't know those, those were there so Whatever the case, we start on the overworld map here, uh, where there seems to have been some significant liberties taken on the waterway logistics of Greenwich Village in particular. This is not how Lower Manhattan is laid out at all. There's a Manhattan in general, there are no water canals breaking up city blocks in Manhattan. <laughs> if, if, that, if that needs to be said, that is, right. it is a solid landmass. There are no incutting waterways at all. And it's, you know, it's, uh, Basically a solid grid. Obviously, the island is not shaped in a perfect square, so that gets fucked with in a lot of places, particularly, particularly downtown at Greenwich Village uh, and southward. But generally speaking, it's a grid, and yeah, there are no water canals, so this is a super goofy representation of anywhere in Manhattan, let alone Greenwich Village. But um, at least not yet. I don't know. I kind of was. I was as I was writing that note down. I thought of that picture. The, the footage of Brooklyn flooding recently, and like, pretty soon, maybe that'll be different. I don't know. <laughs> maybe there will be some waterways in Manhattan. Uh, we shall see, uh, right. should, should, uh, things continue down the climate change route, road that we are on. But as of, uh, present day, and particularly 1989, not the case. But also, it's just a video game. Who cares? Leonardo is standing <laughs> on the street near an open manhole, and the Overworld 1 theme rips in, and like, the most Basic of bitches, I wanted to make this my music selection of the, of the game, Jay, but you stole it from me because you are a bad human being. Uh, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a great track. and It, it is so – like, It's so good. Dude, it, it conjures so much nostalgia in me, it fucking hurts, Jay. See? Like, like that music comes on. Jab and I are sitting in our childhood house on State Route 511 in Oberlin, Ohio – we're back in his bedroom. There are potato chip crumbs ground into the carpet. <laughs> there are half-drank glasses of Pepsi with both our greasy fingerprints all over them, all over the room. They're, they're, they're those shitty glasses with, like, the flower prints on them and what have you from, oh, from some shitty discount, discount drug market or something, probably. Somehow. Yeah, right. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> his black pleather NES cart carrying case is sitting open in front of us. We pull out the TMNT cart. Out of one of those plastic sleeves, probably one without the Nintendo branding, because oh, yeah. Yeah. this is a Konami game, and I was very particular about those, even with Jab's collection, let alone my own games. And we take Tecmo Super Bowl out of his NES, then slide this particular cart into it, push it down into place, hit power, the light flashes. You have to take it out and blow in it. We do that. We put it back in. There's some garbled shit on the screen now, but the light still flashes. We have to turn it off again. We push the cart back and forth a time or two with it still down in the locked position. Power back up. 
Okay, now the game is going. We hit start, this music fires up, and we lock the fuck in for a ride we know is not going to end in victory, but we slap on blinders of hope and ride on anyway, Jay. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Poetry yeah, dude. emotion. Yeah, That's dude, uh, dude, it's yeah, just so so good. And this this particular song, Cause, you know what it is? It's a. I mean, I described it in that little fucking soliloquy there, but the the reason this song is so impactful is because it's the song you probably heard the most because you didn't go too far in the game. Exactly, <laughs> you know that I mean? is also true. <laughs> right, you're, you're restarting this shit and playing this part of the game almost exclusively, so oh, it's a particularly memorable track, you know, which, uh, for better or worse. The Nintendo Power description of this first level reads, The Foot Clan has kidnapped the lovely April, and they're holding her in one of the buildings surrounding the canals. This area is fairly easy to get through and will give you a chance to test the four turtles' abilities as they battle to rescue April. So, Leo stands on the street. As I mentioned, you don't want to go down that manhole. It's bullshit down there. <laughs> Nintendo Which Power. I did. I yeah. did the bullshit. Oh, did you really? Oh, man. That's, that's... I was like, oh, this. I was like, oh, of course I'm going to go no, down here. No, that's, yeah, that's total runaround. Nintendo Power doesn't even bother putting screenshot maps of it in the feature. Did you notice that? No. That's, how, that's how inconsequential this first manhole is. So, you pull up your map screen, you can get an idea of the lay of the land, and we're on the area in the southwest corner of the map. You can see it's not connected to the rest of the map, which means we need to find a way across the canal to get to that northern part of it, right? And you can see three reachable POIs down here. Uh, so the route to the other landmass must be one of those. And you'll have a splinter tip lobbed your way here as well, and they start off with a real banger. It reads, Sensei says, well, it doesn't say... Sensei says, that's my input, but Sensei says, get extra energy with pizza, you can do it, and, I mean, it's just, it's just fucking poetry, Jay, that's poetry. <laughs> get extra energy with pizza, you can do it, like, yes. it's so video gamey and so cartoony, <laughs> and so perfect, it's, and so Ninja Turtles-y, it's just, it's just fucking beautiful, uh, I, I absolutely love it. So yeah, so yeah, you don't want to go down this manhole, you want to stay above ground, you want to navigate around that David Letterman steamroller that comes barreling towards you as you round the corner to the south, and then you head east past a second manhole, which is where you come up from if you went down into that first one. There is some pizza down there. If you catch some strays earlier, and I think that's kind of what this is. This is just, uh, it's a get, way get to, wet. right, yeah, exactly, to hedge any dumb damage you take as you figure out the game. Because, yeah, there's a, I think it's a quarter pizza, if I recall correctly, just down the ladder from the second manhole that you can grab. And these, it's worth saying, you can always, pizza reappears. You just have to go back outside and come back in. So if you need to, you can literally just go back down and grab that pizza as many times as you need to, to fuel all the way back up. You didn't know that? What? Oh my god! I did yeah. not know that. What? Yes. Oh yeah! All everything wow. respawn. Everything enemies. <laughs> it's like at least they're enemies respawn. Yes. Right. And yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little different because enemies what? respawn as you're still in there. But at least yes, the items always respawn, which is that's the whole point of the grinding thing with the scrolls, dude. Is that you? If that did, weren't the case, you wouldn't be able to grind the scrolls. Wait, wait. So when that's why. Well, when you said grinding scrolls, I'm like, I just thought you like would go up and down. In the manholes, fighting things, hoping that they drop. I, I oh, didn't think no, you no, meant yeah. like. No, what? I don't think I don't think scrolls get dropped at all from enemies. I don't know, man. I don't recall ever getting them that way. I don't know. I boomerangs. I, I guess I found enough. Yes, to have a good amount. But anyway, 
and I didn't use them. I used them so sparingly. Oh man! So how the fu- <laughs> I mean, I guess saves coming is the answer. But how the fuck? say how the fuck did you beat this game? Then if you didn't know, you could fucking farm pizza as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, just like it turned out to be much less difficult than I remember. Like the swimming part kind of sucks, which of course, yes, I definitely remember that. Oh, dude, I'm bold. But, like, the that, rest but... of the game, like, there are a couple parts that were, like, a little difficult where I, I tried, you know, had to try it a couple times for sure. So, not not to knock that. But it was much less difficult than I recall. So, I mean, 30 yeah. years of gaming later and 117 of podcast episodes right. of in-depth, in-depth <laughs> analysis of this era of video gaming. We better, be, we so. better be better at it than we were in 1989. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know if I'd say it was easy. All right, definitely wouldn't say it was easy. <laughs> or even even finishable, actually, I wouldn't say that. But there's also, so this first sewer as well, where the pizza is, there's also Baby's first mini-boss battle against a foot soldier with only one health bar unit, if you want that in your life. So, yeah, I mean, really, <laughs> that that very that first sewer sequence is very much an optional tutorial, right? That's which is mm-hmm. phenomenal game design. That it's optional and mm-hmm. there for you if you want it, but you can just skip right over that and get to the video game if you want. And that that, I think, is just beautiful game design. Which is what I would expect of Konami. As you pass that second manhole, a couple of foot soldiers will bum rush you from the east. So like I said, you already have seen one of those steamrollers that you had to avoid. And those are one hit death. If you get hit by one of those steamrollers, you just die um, completely. So one hit death. The foot soldiers, though, are just like battling them on a stage screen. You fucking can whack them with your katana a few times. Or one time, rather. And they just do the little blow-up animation. And you should do that to them. And then the third manhole... (laughs) Uh, which from uh, like you, it's right there up against the canal and you can see another manhole on the other side of the canal. So it kind of, the, the visual Let suggestion you know. is there, like go in here, it'll take you there and you head in there and get ready for some real ninja shit. They start throwing some Nintendo bullshit at you when you come into this sewer immediately to set the tone and let you know how this game is going to do you. <laughs> you enter on a ladder and there's a flying enemy that will nail your ass if you're not moving down that ladder the nanosecond this screen comes up. Which, oh, I mean, <laughs> a first yeah, a first time player, there is pretty much zero chance you're going to be doing that. You're going to come down here and you're going to take stock of what the fuck is happening and then move. Mm-hmm. But if you do that, you will get hit. So that is a, in a microcosm or is a microcosm of this Nintendo game. So I suppose to some degree, it's good that they put that here to set the table. But that doesn't mean it doesn't suck. <laughs> and it would happen to you over and over again throughout the game. Yes, 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, all these side-scrolling stages, at least the early ones I've played, like, I don't believe I ever got past maybe level three. Not maybe. I'm certain now after playing through the whole game, I never got past level three as a child. Uh, or actually, at any point in my life, not just as a child. I have picked this game up and tried to play it, but mm-hmm. not been able to stick with it. Uh, despite all my turtle fandom. So yeah, I had never been past Wall Street, basically. Um, but all these stages uh, have an upper and a lower track to them. Like each floor, I guess I should say, of these side-scrolling stages have an upper and lower track. And often you will be forced to basically railroad all the way to the one side to be able to get up to the upper track. Uh, or I guess in some cases... You're moving downward, too, as we get later in the game, and you're moving in through caves or whatever. But either way, you'll have to go all the way to the one side to get to the next level and then work your way all the way back. So they make you go through that whole experience. Uh, there's not a lot of opportunity to kind of just skip doing that. 
And that's present here as well. So there's a lot of shit milling around down here. There are foot soldiers, there are mousers, whatever the fuck those flying things are. And they're all very easy to deal with if you know what you're doing. Foot soldiers do take two hits with Leonardo anyways. I guess, like we said, I don't have a full because I was often playing with him. So he's going to be kind of the barometer. I measure how many hits. Down takes one. Yeah. Right. Precisely. Uh, so yeah, those two take two with Leonardo and can do some tricky somersaulting jump shit, but everything else is a one-hitter quitter, the, the mousers and the flying things. So after only two, maybe three screen widths of sewer action, you will hop through a gap in a wall and find yourself in a boss battle with Bebop. And Rocksteady is also here. He is in a little nook up above the battle arena here with a tied-up April at gunpoint. And don't know who Bebop and Rocksteady are? One, you're dead to me if the answer to that is yes. But let's talk about them. <laughs> let's talk about them from a story perspective. Anyhow, this dynamic duo acts as the primary lackeys of Shredder for the cartoon series that I am most familiar with. Yep. They were common human street gang thugs under the employ of Shredder. And after getting their dicks knocked in the dirt by the turtles after an April kidnapping attempt, Shredder convinces them to volunteer to undergo a procedure they are told will give them the power to exact revenge on the turtles. So that's how he convinces them to voluntarily uh, expose themselves to this mutagen gun deal that he has. And this procedure involved stealing a warthog and a black rhinoceros from the city zoo, then using the same mutagen that created the turtles to turn them into humanoid versions of those same animals. And in this case, we are just fighting Bebop, the warthog here and such mini boss battles do have their own music score and as far as his mechanics he just kamikazes into you and then starts throwing jabs and looks to pin you up against the right wall and work you that way i would say that's kind of what they're trying to force you to do the little area that rocksteady is in with april kind of hangs down and prohibits your jumping headspace so that's really the only way to avoid him is to jump over him so if he gets you underneath there it can actually go a little bit awry. Yeah. The, in my opinion, anyways, the optimal course of action is to, like, the second he, you, you, like you're walking in and he appears behind you, and what the pro tip is, the second he appears, you Get then jump, there. yeah, jump diagonally over his head and out into that open area, and uh, out there you can you can just pop him as he charges. Then when you jump, it sends him running back the other direction. So you can basically just direct him <laughs> theoretically to run away from you and then when he comes back do the same thing over and over again um yeah i recommend changing to donatello for this if you have the cojones uh and i did because i've been through this battle so many times because the increased range and damage uh is is critical to to getting him um and you have plenty of time to still jump and get him going the other way you know that's funny because I, I was watching this playthrough just now and they did the exact same thing I did, which I think is exactly what you're talking about, where I was using Leonardo and I hit him. I hit him a couple times, realized it was taking like only a half a bit of health each time, switched to Donatello, fragged him because it started taking a full life each hit or whatever. And then he was done. So great. Mind, yeah, you, like, yeah, you can you can also get, get him into a cheese loop, too. If you do it right, you can get him to kind of get stuck on the lower left corner of that little nook that Rocksteady's in mm-hmm. hangs down and like where the lower where the floor of it is 
he can kind of get stuck on that and just jump up. He'll he'll just jump up and down over and over and over again oh, uh, in a total okay. loop. If, but doing that, it it's I wouldn't say it's entirely dependable. So it's not something I try for yeah. uh, when when doing this battle, but it is possible. Splinter Sensei, like if you go to your info screen during this battle, he'll he'll say, and he says this during all the boss battles. Actually, he says, "Useful use careful timing and teamwork to win. You can do it." And this establishes a theme. That is present for both he and April. They put that button on almost every single thing they say in the game. That you can uh, do it? Yeah, you can do okay. it. He puts that on the end of everything. And then April has her own little catchphrase, too, that we'll get to. That I think is even... Uh, you can do it's pretty fun and funny. But I think April's is more comedy-worthy. Uh, and we will certainly get to that. When Bebop goes down, there is a battle victory cue to auditorily reward you. Then Rocksteady throws April over his shoulder, all pissy-like, and exits out, exits out the door with her. And this will, of course, incentivize you to jump up and head out that same door. And that puts you back above ground at the manhole you spied across the water. Over here, you have some options. There's an open building to the immediate northeast and a couple of manholes to the northwest that are patrolled by David Letterman steamrollers. And yes, I'm going to refer to that them refer to them as that every time so buckle up disciples one of these manholes is in the way of getting to an otherwise inaccessible northwest quadrant of the map so it's pretty obvious that you have to go through that to get over there and the building is just a dead end with a full pizza at the end which replenishes an entire turtle life bar but if you're in tip-top shape there's no reason to engage that whatsoever the manhole not blocking the walkway is also a dead end with a mini-boss battle at the end. On the way, you will, you can find your first Mr. Invincibility pickup, which is the Ninja Turtle head icon. And these turn your sprite into a spinning pinwheel thing, basically the tight somersault when you jump. So you stay in that at all times while this is active. And your weapon sticks out in four directions. For the entire duration, too. I would, maybe 30 seconds this lasts, I would say. So basically, you're invincible while you're doing this, and you're just a killing machine. And you can, it is very it's much so, just it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, it's like clearly, like, not at all. It's so video gamey, I guess. You know, it's not at all representative of anything in the IP, whatever. And that's an example of kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like, like yes, some of these enemies aren't part of the world, but they, in a good way, I think, felt comfortable video gaming this property, you know? It was not license IP in general is not a prominent thing in video games yet, I would say. And this particular property was not sacred in the degree it is now. So, you know, they they probably perceived this as just another one-off video yeah. game that, yes, we have some inspiration for, but we can kind of take creative license with this, you know? And, and that's why I don't feel so compelled to criticize that aspect See, of the game i don't know at this point we've already had batman we've had grim we haven't had Bat batman's 1990 this is 1999 what? game yeah batman's what? 1990 batman's january 1990 if i recall correctly but batman's i mean the video game isn't i mean the the movie actually the movie's not either well movie's no, the video game because we've talked about the video game already so the video oh game we have yes yeah, yeah. i thought you were talking about like the real world timeline sorry well, yeah, I'm talking about like in the real world timeline, like as a kid, though, we would yeah, have no, had ba Batman's 1990. Batman came. Are you sure? I'm 1000%. <laughs> <laughs> it still felt, though, 
I totally get your argument. I guess I'm trying to find a way to justify it without having all the facts in front of me. But (laughs) like, it feels like this was a departure that was kind of weird. You know what I mean? So especially when like the again the next edition comes out, it's completely different. It's like, oh yes, this is exactly what. But yeah, I I think it feels like expectations are were getting better still at that point. Even like we still had, and yes, it's a cartoon, but we had Ducktales. We had Rescue Rangers. We had things that were based on cartoons that, yeah, this is what they did in a cartoon. You know what I mean? So things, yeah, yeah. So there were more things to rely on that were like, but I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it was sacrilege at the time. No, you're right. To take creative liberties, you know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, And 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 I think this one, like I said, I mean, yeah, that's kind of a, that's actually a perfect example. Is that part of the reason you feel that way is because Disney maintained the stranglehold. (laughs) <laughs> on uh, yeah. Disney represent a representation of D- Disney IPs, you know, uh, on all those Capcom games and in everything they do, everything Disney related, they are like Nazis about uh, not differing, changing the brand or the perception of the brand because it's so it's such an important part of their value. Uh, as much as I uh, praised and and am impressed by Peter and 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 Kevin's fucking. Uh, doing a good job of that from an independent perspective, you know, when, when fucking Konami wants to do the video game, they're probably like, I don't really care. <laughs> like, how much? Like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want with it. I don't know. <laughs> they're not worried about preserving the integrity of the IP in the same way that, that Disney would be. And they know, didn't so. do a bad job. I'm yeah. just saying, like, I, we're, we're nitpicking. Like, I see, sure. you sure, know, sure. the nitpicks. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but yes, those invincibility things are very fun, and they're just very video gamey, and uh, yeah, not at me. all, yeah, a representation of, of, of what these turtles would be able to do, and even the cartoon or whatever. So both of these areas have an alternate, and I think intended to be perceived as more difficult enemy set. So that's you can, it's it happens less later in the game, or at least that I, at least I think it's less possible later in the game. But these early stages. You can, you can game the enemy set you get in a side-scrolling stage. If you walk in and it's one thing, and you know, in, in in this case here, you have the option. You either have that enemy set that I mentioned, the foot soldier, mouser, flying robot, mouser, or whatever the fuck those are. You have that enemy set. You can also get the enemy set that's a fire freak, which is the humanoid, the slow walking humanoids oh, engulfed in flames. Things. That's yeah. That, Cause they spit out those little independent flying sprites that are a pain in the ass. Yeah. You one hit those, but when they get a bunch of them, you can suck for sure. And the fire guys take a number of hits, uh, unless you're Donatello, probably even Donatello will probably take two, I guess. But yeah. Anyways, uh, those and the, those flying fucking, uh, I don't know, UFO type things and the scroll throwing guys that go down to the cross-legged position. You can get these different enemy sets. And if it's one you don't like, which it would be the one with the UFOs and the scroll throwing guys, those are the, that's the hardest one. If you don't want that, you can just go back outside, come back in, and it's RNG based as to whether you get the easier enemy set that time or not, you know? So basically if you see those fuckers and you don't want to deal with them, which if you're smart and you know this, you don't, you would just go outside, come back in and get the easier one or, or keep doing that until you do, you know? So that's an interesting like gamey thing you wow, can do too. I did not you, even you didn't know that either. Clock that. Uh, yeah. 
The mini boss at the end, uh, at least with the easier enemy set, is a frog mutant with a tongue attack that, of course, jumps around a bunch, as a frog would. And the other manhole is where you should be heading to, as I mentioned, the one in the walkway. And you, we go in here, Splinter will say, if you stop into his office uh, around this part of the game, he will say, go into the sewer, some sewers to proceed, you can do it. So he doesn't tell you which one, but he does tell you you have to go into the sewers to proceed to the next thing. So he's, kind of, again, kind of giving you this vague, supportive sensei direction that is, is helpful if you're listening. Down here, you get a slight mod on that previously described enemy set. And I believe it's locked as this harder group set. This is an instance where I try to fence test this and see, and it was the same one every time. So again, this is not uh, that's not applicable to all side-scrolling stages, just some of them. And yeah, the most notable difference is the this one. There are two enemy sets that have the scroll-throwing dude. One of them has the UFO thing, and that's a flying enemy that takes two hits with Leonardo. So... Flying enemies that take two hits are probably the worst thing in this video game. Or flying enemies that take multiple hits, period. Because there are later ones oh, that take even, sure. take even more, you know. Uh, which is, that's not unique to this video game. But in this case, seeing those is like, fuck. <laughs> You're going to want to, <laughs> like, you basically, you, you have to figure out their flight mechanics. And really what you want to do is, unless you want to switch to Donatello to kill them and one, to one-shot them, you want to figure out their flight mechanics, which you, they kind of fly at these angles and you can walk up, catalyze them, and then run away. But you have to be careful not to run too far away because then they'll just respawn. So it's respawn. like this, this oh, dance yeah. you have to do to be able to navigate these guys if you're not killing them. And uh, at the tail end of this, there's another mini-boss battle that is one of the chainsaw dudes. Which uh, I think they're actually, they move quite slow. And they have a stun frame that you can, when you hit them. So you can really just fucking spam just, these. They're, yeah, they're blast them. All. They were yep. not a problem. Right. So coming out of there gets you to the last remaining untapped POI on the map, which is a building. And the enemy set in here is new. We have multi-hit flying things that patrol the upper third of the screen, laser firing bipedal robots, and boomerang thugs. And all the have, boomerang thugs. Those are so yeah. annoying. Yep. Yep. Because they basically also just spawn independent flying things. They can whip out a number of boomerangs, like two or three boomerangs at a time. They can, and they take forever to travel across the screen. So then you're like, oh my yeah, gosh. pain in the ass. So you have to deal with them while also moving across your first conveyor belt bullshit in the game to work your way to a ladder upstairs where you'll find a large stack of crates. You have to go up and over to find Rocksteady's boss arena. And Rocksteady again has April tied up and she is against the west wall. In true Rhino mindset fashion, he will put his head down and run into you. And if he gets you up against that stack of crates, he can really work your ass over there. He also has a machine gun. He'll pop off rounds at you from a distance if you try to hang back and use dexterity against him. So that's those are his attack mechanics. And, th you know, this is, you know, everyone listening to this, I posted a screenshot of it, of just Donatello at the top of the stack, crouching down. With Rocksteady jumping and not even attacking. Just posting that image, it, it brings out all the feels. Like, everyone knows, <laughs> you know. It's just one of those fucking things, man. If you're an NES kid, you know it, you know. And, yes, you – once you jump down into the battle arena, Rocksteady comes bearing down on you from – he actually comes from where you came from. So, he comes running. So, you can't just wait up there. You have to go down, catalyze him, and he runs down from where you came into this arena. You want to jump his ass as he runs at you and head straight back up to the crate pile. 
the very top of it is still accessible. And once you're here, you can, yes, swish to Donatello, crouch down, and just start spamming that bow attack downward at him. And his dumb ass will run up against the crates continuously, periodically jumping and bringing himself within range of the bow attack. And eventually his meter will hit zero, and you have dusted Rocksteady's ass off. And yes, it's just it just feels so good because is I don't know there's something it's so about it. Easy. It's, yeah, it's so easy, but it's also I don't know. It's it's it, it, it the I think the enjoyment of it is that this is information. I don't know if any kid ever discovered this on their own. Like wherever it came from, it started somewhere. We all and, knew. Yeah, like and it, it just is, moved down the grapevine. <laughs> you know, it just moved yeah. down the grapevine via word of mouth. And there's this, this, I don't know, maybe it's just like a communal feeling. Maybe it's, there's something in there emotionally. Like it was found found in Nintendo powers and things early and somebody spread, you know, somehow it spread because we all did it. Yep. It's just absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, Every time. It's it's like uh, I've described the feeling I get when I knock down Bald Bull. It's that same feeling. It's just like, Mm. you just know it so well and when you when it happens, it just ticks every possible good childhood <laughs> gaming box. You know, it's just something about it just feels so fucking good. And this is this is one of those. After he dies, Donnie then glitches from atop the crates down to the ground. He doesn't even jump down. So like that's another. That's the, I think that's maybe another thing about it. it makes it feel more secret that the game doesn't even have an animation to accommodate it. You know. He just glitches down to the ground as he doesn't jump down, you know. So you know you're not. It's, it's it, that's part of it too. Like you know you're mm. not supposed to be up there. <laughs> like that was not intended. Like they put right. boxes there, but they didn't mean to like right. for you to hang out up there. Right, right. <laughs> so then, yeah, he comes out on the ground and then methodically struts over to April as the level clear theme plays. That differs from just beating a, a mini boss, the the mini boss defeat yeah. tune, and her ropes disappear, and she stands in front of your turtle for a moment before we cut to the info screen where she is now in the dialogue box instead of Splinter, and her dialogue is, "Don't let the Foot Clan destroy the dam. You have my support." And oh, then man. that yeah. statement to me it was just like, "Oh, here we go." Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, here we go. I, it, yeah, it took me a while. Yeah, I posted some, I posted all that shit from the first level. And like immediately, the disciples started asking, "Like we got to see we that we want to see you stream the dam. We got to see the dam. We got to see the dam." <laughs> so I set it up and I did it and I streamed my experience. And this, you know, it's the first time in forever that I've actually completed it. Uh, I'm sure this is probably where I've probably done this, and this is where I fell off in my mm-hmm. half-hearted attempts to, as an adult, try to beat this game. So. Yeah, I would stream this, but we'll get there. We'll get there. The so This is level two. This is the Hudson River near the Holland Tunnel. And we, yes, cut from that April dialogue to Donatello, in my case, most cases probably, standing on a concrete platform outside a doorway in a dam. And, yes, this is, uh, I think, another serious liberty being taken here. There are no, there are no dams anywhere near Holland Tunnel or NYC <laughs> in general. There are zero dams. Uh, but whatever. Yes. It's a Ninja Turtle video game. Who cares? The Nintendo Power Description. In Area 2, the Turtles must find and disarm eight bombs that have been placed in the water under the dam by Shredder. Time is short, and there are plenty of underwater obstacles, so you'll have to hurry. So what do we do here if we don't happen to have that issue in Nintendo Power? And I did not. My first issue was after this one. And I guess I didn't internalize. I'm sure this issue was in the library at school, but I didn't internalize this part um, of it, I suppose. 
And the way is we must, we could rather simply consult April O'Neil, whom we explicitly have been informed that we have the support of. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she says, bombs are set up in the lake. Find entrance. You have my support. Consulting the map, it's clear the only POI we can engage from this platform is the doorway. So that's where we have to go right now. And it is also clear there are only two POIs on the upper crest of the dam. Yeah. So that's likely where the doorway leads and where we have to go to get into the lake, right? But, again, nope, didn't read it. No clue as a kid. Uh, so uh, despite that being present in the video game... I will have a whole diatribe we will get to in a moment of <laughs> lack of understanding of what to do and where to go uh, in the water portion of this game when I was a kid. Inside this doorway, there are a series of side-scrolling stages, action stages, that are very in-kind with the sewer ones we saw in Greenwich Village. The enemy set in here is the easy mode, mouser, flying skeeter, foot soldier group. Uh, it skews a little tougher on the third floor. There's some drone and scroll meditator dudes, uh, but all pretty cake. Uh, I got my first secondary weapon here, actually. Uh, it took a while. I guess I somehow, nice. I, know, I guess the opposite of lucked into uh, waiting that long. But Donatello, Cops, and Boomerangs. And this is hands down the best one in my humble podcaster opinion. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that as far as secondary weapons go. But these have a flight distance of about a quarter of a screen. And on, I think they have an elevated damage quotient to them. Over, probably not, maybe on par with but or not quite but more than leonardo as far as the damage goes they do more than most of the turtles yeah for sure yeah. and the also cool thing about them is they will persist in the environment so you can throw one out jump up and it'll fly back the other direction if you're not in the way to catch it so that's really cool. <laughs> you, yeah. you can use these to populate almost kind of like your own uh, air, fi air fire cover, you know, in boss oh, battles and sure. stuff and use that to your advantage. You know, you lose the boomerang in that case because that's the other cool thing. If the boomerang does come back and hit your sprite, you keep it. You don't lose the projectile from your stock of them. And that is also unique relative to the all the other weapons in the game, which are just you fire it off and it's gone, you know. So that is a cool element to me uh, as well. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, I I really 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 like this. I don't know. Do you? How do you feel about them versus the oh, shurikens? And I love the boomerangs. Honestly, like I I think early on I used the shurikens and I was like, oh sweet, I'm definitely going to use these. But I quickly, once I got the boomerangs, I, I never really went back to the shurikens unless I was like testing them out on a boss or like a new enemy to see like how they did because I didn't want to use something else. But typically after that. Yeah, I was totally using boomerangs, using like jumping, set myself up in battles, jumping up, throwing a couple to your point to like hit whatever was up there to maneuver out of the way and then like grabbing them if I could. Because yeah. I ended up with like so much of them like at some point that I could just keep rolling with it. Yeah. And since I was catching them most of the time anyway, I, yeah, I freaking love those things, man. Absolutely. Love them. And then there's also uh, another one of those kind of, just like I was talking about with the Rocksteady defeat at least it holds this emotional weight to me there's another cool aspect of these in that you can trade them amongst the turtles you can if you throw them out and hit start and go to another turtle when you come back 
that new turtle will catch them and then have them in their inventory. What? So yeah, so Look you can you. you did all kind of like crazy test stuff. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these are things what? I I didn't. Yeah, these are things that I remember from as from playing as a kid. Even so, yeah, these are uh, playground knowledge and a half uh, for this video game. There's a ton of it. There is also a pizza pie and a half in here if you can't keep your shit fully together throughout. And then at the very top on the fourth floor, just prior to the exit of the damn crest, is one of the worst jumps in the game. It is right up against the ceiling, so you have to use that short tap jump. And it has to be, in my opinion, I don't have any mathematical proof of this, but it has to be just one pixel short of the maximum distance that short tap jump can pull off with the ceiling that low, you know? It's got to be just one pixel from the max or the unreachable thing, you know, because, yeah, you have to execute perfectly or you're going back down to the bottom and then you cannot jump up there. You have to do, do the, full lower, yeah, the full lower <laughs> and upper floor again. And, yeah, I definitely had trouble with this. This, even this is knowing a spot I vividly it. remember from yeah. from before, like falling down there and being like, ah, yep. oh, I got to yep. do it again. And like, I, but I don't want to get hit going through this whole fight again. Yep. Huge, huge pain in the ass. Uh, that's probably, I mean, that's the worst jump in the game. Unless you want to call the the one that's a little later, I think. Or maybe that's in the sewer, actually, where you just walk over it. And the thing is, unless you know to walk over it, you fall down every time. Yeah, because you're like, wait, what? The yeah. ceiling is so low that you can't fucking, you can't jump it, you know, which yeah. is crazy. So, yeah, a couple of things here early on that are pretty fucked jumping style, jumping-wise. But honestly, that's probably the last of it, though. The, la- the rest of the game, I can't think of any, like, things where I was like, that's f- fuck off kind of kind of jumping stuff, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of bullshit early on. So enough tries, you'll get through that, and you'll find yourself back on the overworld screen on the crest of the dam. And a couple of foot soldier frags on the way over to the broken open hole in the railing that you can plunk down into the lake from. And they have a, I really love the splash sound animation when you hit the water. Oh, yeah. Took a moment to, to put that presentation in there. That's good. And then it is underwater time. And yes, uh, as I mentioned at the uh, request of Lord Disciples, uh, Mettler and Jerome specifically, I streamed this experience and uh, Jerome coined it very, very wittily, I would say, the damn damn. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I would, uh, I just, I said it already, I cannot believe how stupid my perception of this as a child was. Like, despite April's explanation that they were bombs on the info screen throughout, as a child, I was too dense to ever read that, and I didn't know they were bombs. I thought, and I obviously if I didn't know they were bombs, that I didn't know that I had the objective of disarming them. I thought they were air tanks of some kind, and that belief was supported by the fact that the timer pauses while you were engaging them. So that is what led to me. I rem- I can't believe I remember my reasoning for it even, but... Yes, I remember, because I, I think I remember actually being at a Boy Scout fucking meeting, and the kid whose mom hosted it had the Konami handheld Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles LCD game, and that led to us talking, and I remember arguing with the kid that they were, <laughs> they were fucking air tanks and not bombs. I remember arguing with him about this. <laughs> I was so firm in my belief. <laughs> Uh, yeah so funny, bad funny enough though that you say that 
Like, that doesn't actually sound too surprising to me, though. Like, because... That I would argue from a super perspective, unabashedly, with no <laughs> relinquishment whatsoever. Well, yes, of- that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, just the fair. perspective <laughs> like, air tanks. Because it does seem like, oh, you're underwater, you're going to run out of air. Like, that is a common thought even though we all accept yes they're bombs but somehow also in my mind resides the clearer thought of what you said too so i don't know like how that was in there as well but that still existed so you're not alone okay you're not well anyone any even half wit tier intelligence adult or child uh is is probably asking yourself uh, you know sure like, the timer stops, but you're also stuck to the machine and not progressing. And the second you dislodge from the fucking thing, the timer begins again. So how would that be helpful? <laughs> and, like, adult me hears you and and also questions this hypothesis, but child me did not and was a fucking moron because I 100% thought I would I would literally save these. If I felt I was going well through the stage, I would just ignore them, which of course led to me never beating this as a kid <laughs> until I figured out otherwise, which I think I eventually did. But the the duration of time I spent thinking that they were not bombs and the part of my childhood where I did know they were were vastly disproportionate to the former relative to the latter. So, yeah, just not very good uh, perception as, as a child and, and had serious trouble with this. But oh. this time around, <laughs> uh, I did know that, thankfully, and was able to get through it. And you start in a big open chamber. On the right side of it is an intermittent beam of electricity blocking the way east. And you can see the first of the bombs right there. So they put the first one right fucking there for you to, like, okay, these are going to be important, you know. And you almost can't miss it it's almost impossible to swim past it i would say uh it would be really hard to because there is like this if you get close enough to it your turtle kind of just auto swims onto it and like he does this animation where he like puts his back to you and he's fucking it looks like he's making out with it (laughs) kind of you know like he's embracing it uh lovingly and um disarms it and then you kind of slide back off of it so, uh, despite your amphibious genetics, these turtles are still at the mercy of a number of laws of physics in this water. Your swim is, I would say, kind of non-frog suit Mario-like in that you hit the jump button to gain a bit of accelerated elevation that dissipates after a beat, and then you f- begin to float back down. And you also sometimes swim in the areas where there's a current, and you are entirely at the mercy of it, and you need to swim against it with the above pre- imprecise swimming mechanics and that in or therein lies where a lot of the difficulty they present to you uh in here which is all environmental there are no traditional enemies and you have no attack or anything down here so along with those electricity beams that are intermittent uh that you have to avoid you take one full unit of health when they when they catch you slipping there are two other hazards down here there is electrified organic vines that line some areas that are also tend to be rather constricted and they you know, it becomes a very tight squeeze you have to swim through to avoid taking damage from them. Almost, in some cases, impossible. I, I think, like, that one particular skinny tunnel, I don't think you can get through that. Without oh, getting man. Hit. I, I tried. I, yeah. <laughs> You're going to take yeah. That yeah. Honestly, the funny thing is, <laughs> I'm going through this during that specific part when I kept 
like going through it. I'm like, no, I'm taking damage every time. Like I'm taking damage every time. <laughs> That's when I realized all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, I have three other turtles. Like, did I not realize this as a kid? Like I would just switch off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let me just get as far as I can through there. Switch new turtle. Like, yeah. And I, I would get done. I think when I ended up like, and you know, I safe scummed plenty of times throughout to, and to that, uh, to revise uh, parts where it worked out worse than this. But even even the one I accepted as okay enough to just proceed in the game, I was down to Michelangelo. And like I think I think I had him full and then he took one hit of damage on it. Cause that la- those last beams it's impossible yeah. to take a hit on. And like I, I got to there with with Michael with Raphael and I was like, I won't make it through that. I have to switch to Michelangelo who's full and then get take that hit as I as I got to the last bomb. So okay. yeah, two turtles worth basically and, and one little click off Michelangelo is what the good run of, the, of this fucking right? level is. So it's yeah. it's tough. Uh, yeah the or the electrified vine deals uh, also take a full unit of health off you when you come into contact with them. And there's also an organic hazard. Uh, the, these I don't even know what the fuck. Patches of whatever the fuck you would call them. But when you get close to them, Electric they reach up. seaweed? <laughs> well, no, that's the seaweed, yes. But I'm saying the other, I don't know what that other shit is that one hits you. If you get too close to it, it reaches up. And like the, the tentacles that reach up and grab you and pull you in. Did you even hit those? Yeah, I I just called those electric seaweed. Like I don't know, like no, like different different from the other things. I know what you're talking about, but like, uh, I don't, well, they I they don't they know. want they got to be different because they one shot you, so it, it yeah. can't just be electricity. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're like tentacle. I don't know, right. like evil, right? Tentacle, <laughs> yeah, definitely evil. Tentacle, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they they reach <laughs> up and they they you, you you do the mutation animation the second they they they, they like wrap around you and you do the mutation uh, animation and lose your turtle. So avoiding that shit is critical, needless to say, because I don't care how many turtles you have. If you're getting hit by those, you're not going to make it through here. Yeah. yeah. So there is, this is, an, again, just a memory, 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 memory. There is an optimal path through this sequence that I might even call it absolute necessary to navigate without taking a shit ton of damage and actually finish it in the 140 seconds allotted, which it is, you have a timer of two minutes and 20 seconds is, is the amount of time you get to do this in. And I couldn't believe like, so, you know, again, I haven't played this in forever. I haven't beat it in God knows I, who knows how long. And I'm streaming this and I didn't do any test runs. I just went into a cold and I couldn't believe it's one of those instances where you just, it's just muscle memory, man. I just knew the route to go. Cause it's, it's basically, like I wasn't making decisions. I was just executing a series of patterned movements. You know, it was weird to me how it was just medulla oblongata territory, man. Like full automatic process. You know, and yeah, I don't know how I learned it. The Nintendo Power piece in here, even if I did see it, has just a blank map and offers no suggestion at all how to best tackle the bomb order. So I have to know this from something else. You know, I don't know right. what it would be. But can you rattle off the order from memory, Jay? Are you able to do it? No, not at all. But I also largely went the right way. Like okay. the it 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 honestly, yeah. I d- I definitely didn't have it like that, like downed. Because I got to the point where I got seven bombs, and I was like, I missed a bomb in time. <laughs> so I was like, where you know what I mean? So I had to go back and be like, oh, okay, okay I missed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I yeah, I, I didn't have it down. But I had it mostly good. Pretty close. Yeah, there's yeah. yeah, to do it the right way to avoid having to do any serious backtracking, you do still you have to like 
there's some going out of your way bullshit. Like, at the, so you, you go through that, you get that first one right at the beginning, then you go to the, you get to this first fork where you can go east, up or to the right, and you have to basically go, not basically, you have to go up one screen, grab that bomb right there to the left through the beam, then go back down and go right, and you, that's where you pass that spinny, uh, turbine deal and you have to go with the direction the arm spins if you go against it you're going to get hit so you have to go the long way around that and then up and from that you'll backtrack a bit to grab what will be your fourth bomb and then the fifth is in a nook with there's two of those beams that again I don't see how swimming back out you can't not get hit by because the current's coming towards you and yeah. they are together so there's just no way if you try to stop between them which it maybe is possible but because of the current yeah, I don't know. Not do really that. possible. If you try to stop, you're going to take even more. So you, you're best just power through it and taking the one hit. So, yeah, there's a few instances in, in this where you just, it's unavoidable to take damage. So there's no way to do it perfectly, in my opinion. But that's the fifth one there. And then you come to, yes, probably the most iconic part of this, which is that fucking electric seaweed tunnel where you're going to take a few hits no matter what. Like getting through without taking three or four is near impossible, in my view. Like three or four hits, which is. You know, half your meter, basically, you're going to lose. Or half a turtle's meter in this, no matter what. Um, and beyond that, there are a couple more that require braving some beam-current combinations. Two more and little nooks as you go down to that last one is fiddling an area where you have to deal with all three hazards, basically. You have to, like... There's seaweed on the on the on the top, so you're like trying to avoid that, but it's more important to avoid the one hit shit that's down below. So you have to like kind of like it's it's they're like they're kind of like jumps almost. You have to like let yourself land on little rock pieces and kind of get your bearings and then do a perfect like either single tap or double tap to get over at the perfect height to avoid the seaweed above you, but go high enough to not get pulled down by that shit. And then you have to wrap back around and go through a couple fucking electric beams, get into that last bomb. And, uh, yeah. So you, Even then, you, it was still tough time-wise. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, uh, what was it? Like maybe 17 seconds, yes, was left on my ticker. The very first time through, though. Like, I mean, I was safe-scumming a little bit. I th actually, no. I might not have safe-scummed. Did I safe-scum? I can't remember. I definitely did not safe-scum through this. I was just like, I just went. But yeah, it was it was tough. Yeah, I think I might not have because I was streaming. I might have tried to balls it out. But I definitely finished on the first. Yeah, I think yeah, I felt good about finishing the first time uh, and talked a little shit. I think so. Yeah, uh, wow. yeah, I, yeah. Wow. So yeah, I got through on the very first time. Wow, I got on like the third or fourth try. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was I was highly impressed with uh, <laughs> myself. Both that I knew it, what to do at all, and that I was able to, to pull it off. Especially that last part. I mean, is is super tricky. But even even remembering the how to get across that without getting pulled down by the shit, I was I was able to do. So you disarm that last bomb. Your turtle torn turds towards our POV and does what I would consider a muscle flex pose, and then a speech bubble comes out of him with a simple "Okay!" exclamation. And then it is story and cinematic time. First, we go back to the info screen for some April praise. She says, "Good job. The dam is safe. Let's go home." Then it cuts to I fucking love this dude. It cuts to a shot of a sewer passage, and Raphael is walking towards a very out of place steel door with a not at all conspicuous TMNT logo on a plaque next to it. This is their secret base, and it's got just a plaque next to the door with a TMNT logo, uh, trademark. And yeah, it's just such a covert operation they're running down here. 
He knocks on the door and says, here, <laughs> and then it opens, and he enters, which, that, who was he saying here to if no one's in there to already know that Splinter's gone? But he walks in, and it looks more like an NYC pre-war apartment than a sewer lair to me, but it's completely trashed, image is behind me right now, and no one is here. He yells, master! And then the TV turns on, some static visible on the screen, and then we cut to a close-up of the TV itself. Shredder appears on it, and it's a very tight shot of him. His hand is coming up and out of the screen. So we can see a shadow below his hand on the edge of the CRT screen. So, I don't know, 3D television? Or I'm also justified this, maybe the fauna, or flora rather, in the lake maybe has psychotropic qualities to it. <laughs> so they're experiencing a little bit of psychedelic uh, action yeah. here, and the shredder image is coming out of the TV is, is also, I guess, as to how this should be interpreted. But he says, this is Shredder. Listen to me, Turtles. We have taken Splinter. To get him back, you must defeat the Foot Clan. We're waiting for you. Ha, ha, ha. And then it is back to the info screen. April provides a supportive direction. Let's go and help Splinter. And we move on to level three, Wall Street. You cut to your turtle standing on the street in front of a high rise next to the party wagon. And what an amazing fucking name for a superhero comic group. The whole IP is just so much fucking fun. Uh, you know, the party wagon, I mean, uh, a, a superhero comic group vehicle, I mean. Yeah. So the party wagon is a converted full-size van with a shit ton of cool weapons and accessories, a spoiler, and a number of aesthetic additions that convey a turtle-inspired vibe. And I had this toy, actually. Did you have this toy? Oh, man. I I think I eventually, eventually got one, but I, I did not have it initially. No, this was too expensive at first. I was happy okay. to, like collect the turtles one by one you know yeah definitely a different cost bracket for this for sure yeah the i want to i think i want to say it was my second like non-figurine it's the first one i got i remember you might and this was a very weird one that was just one of those things where like we're just creating a toy it has no relevance i don't think to the actual but the it was like a it was a foot clan like playset that was very tiny and it was basically a pizza shop and the door, it was like a trap. It was like a trap pizza shop. And like it had a steel door with a little with a little eye slit in it, supposedly. And the door would fly down and this cannon would come out of it that I think it somehow employed the mutagen, the ectoplasm stuff. Which that's another thing I love about this toy line. And I think part of my fascination with it is nice. just like the Ghostbusters line, which is also a toy line I fucking loved. The real Ghostbusters, the cartoon one, had the ectoplasm. The little ghost would come in. This also had it was the same exact shit. Just I think it came it's with turtles. Yeah. yeah, it came with turtles <laughs> in it. Uh, little tiny, like real turtles, or, or not real turtles, but like normal turtles. Normal, little uh, turtles, yeah. you know. So like basically the pre-mutagen or pre-mutation Ninja Turtle came inside of them, which is fucking awesome too, of course. So of course. yeah, I think it's, it's. I think it like somehow shot that. Or, it, no, it shot. Sorry, actually, I just, it came to me now. So it shot like a little bucket that you would put the mutagen in. So the door would fly down like from the top. So this cannon would fly out the door. Theoretically, like if the turtle knocked on it, this cannon would fly out the door and then be able to shoot the mutagen right onto them, whoever was standing in front of the door, you know. So oh, and it, I'm pretty sure it had some spring action to it. So you could really fire that fucking thing, you know. So just an yeah. awesome <laughs> Oh man, uh, I did not have set. one of those. Yeah, <laughs> so that was the first one. I remember. I can remember the box on that even. And actually, I remember being yeah because I got that. I remember being outside Jab's mom's 
mobile home trailer with that in the car. Like my dad must have had me for the weekend and bought me that. And then we went over Jab's mom's fucking trailer. Probably to bang Jab's mom. <laughs> my dad, not me, obviously. Though. Right, right. That makes sense. <laughs> and he got me that those toys just to occupy me while he did that. Was the was the vibe there? Uh, if I think back on it, but yeah, the party wagon was fucking awesome, dude. It had like the fuck was it? So it was big. It was big enough to like really hold the turtles. You could put them seated in that fucker, and the door would fly open, and you could strap one of the turtles in. And he would like be hanging out the side like a fucking like an attack turtle strapped in. <laughs> of course. Yeah, and it had like it also when that when that flew out. There oh, like, and I totally remember it now. I remember the like I feel like I, I remember seeing it on the commercial now. Yeah. When you said that, I completely immediately remembered it and like pictured yeah. it. And okay. and it had two of those basically the same bombs are on the blimp. Those those little canister bombs yeah. would fly. It was like they were like trapped in the bottom of the door so when you when the door flew open to put the to swing the turtle out it would drop those two and they would roll behind the the van theoretically you know so yeah the big spoiler on the back it was a super cool fucking uh vehicle for sure um so yeah i had that jab had the sewer lair playset which crazy dude so wild do you any memory of this at all it was so big dude it was so I, I i remember it i'm impressed i I'm impressed because I didn't have the toy collection with Ninja Turtles that you guys did. Like, I had huge toy collections for, like, He-Man. Are you kidding me? Like, Voltron. Absolutely. But, like, I didn't... I did not have, like, just a level of Ninja Turtle extra stuff. I had the, I had the characters but and, like, the bad guys, yeah. but I didn't have the huge playsets like y'all did. Yeah, dude. I, oh. I had the... Did you have the carrying case? For the figures? No. Oh, uh, dude, I, I can remember. I can picture it. So it's red. I don't I think so. It. I definitely but remember it. The little yeah. black trays that they perfectly went in and all their little fucking weapons went in there. Oh, dude. I had so all good. that for He-Man. I had yeah. all the castles. I remember, I remember Grace my anal retentive ass. I remember being <laughs> upset that I had too many figurines to fit in the in the case. <laughs> of course. So I, had, so I had to make decisions. I had to make business decisions. The rich about- man's problem. Rich man's problem. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, yeah, I did. I had to make business decisions about which figurines belonged in the carrying. Obviously, the turtles, shredders, oh, the, the 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 staple ones. But uh, I remember, yeah, I remember not having Splinter and April and being upset as fuck about that. Like our friend AJ had them, and then Jab had them eventually. So I never got them because Jab had them. So yeah, I never had those two because those were like the base. I don't know if this if like I remember because there was like only the original line was only a handful it was like a foot soldier shredder i don't even think krang was in that one bebop and rocksteady weren't they bebop and rocksteady were in there yes and then the four turtles april and splinter i think might have been the full yeah, original kind of toy line uh and then obviously they built on it after that a, a great deal but that original toy line i can remember the you know on the back of the of the action figure packaging they would have the little like they would the little diorama where they're all set up you know of the full set of that first line and i can visualize that to some degree too uh yeah, man. The fucking they had turtle points too. They had a mail in mail in deals, just like the GI Joes did. Oh man, some kind of fucking mail in deal, UPC type shit. You know, there was just a, a so much to it. And yeah, I mean, fucking ugh, so much nostalgia. The so <laughs> do what was your what was your favorite? Do you have a favorite figurine? Did you mean you said the turtles probably, were cool, but they're not my favorite figurine. I mean, I had what was the 
it wasn't Baxter Stockman, was it? That turned into a fly. Whoever it was, that yeah, turned Baxter into Stockman a fly. turned into a fly. Yeah, yeah he yeah, was yeah. cool. Yeah, he had the little yeah. wings that slid in the back. The jab, wings, I the like. Gun, I yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, I like that as a figure. They had, sure. they had, they had both the pre-fly and post-fly Baxter Stockman characters, if I recall. Okay. Uh, and they might even later on when they got, you know, just as with all toy lines, once they kind of run out of shit, they start doing really wacky shit. And like, they would eventually make like motorized turtles. Like I remember I had a Donatello yeah. that's, he swam. Samurai, they, everything right. samurai turtles. Right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. They, and the, the really cool ones, they modified them eventually where their turtle shells swung open and you could store their weaponry inside of them or some of their accessories inside of them so yeah there was there's a ton of really cool and actually uh, now that you mentioned that i remember being excited my real favorite one oh now that oh man the the movie turtle figurines do you remember oh, the movie ones which were more I, real they were like because like the the cartoon ones, the ones we're talking about, were more cartoony, more like colorful, like hey, this yeah. and that. Whereas, like when TMNT the movie came out, like they came out with figurines for that, and they were more like darker turtles, more like the movie. So I remember getting the, one of those and be like, oh the, wow, the, these the are the trench cooler. coats, probably. Yeah. <laughs> see now, see, I'm. I, it's funny you say because. For me, the exact opposite. Like, I'm like canon, OG. Like, no, I like the kind of fuck. <laughs> I, I don't remember those because I probably was against them. I probably didn't like that ah, they differed. Right. They differed from the established canon of Fair. the. Uh... Yeah, I mean, like, you know, dude, I, I certainly liked the movie. Went and saw it. Jab had the VHS cassette. I watched it a million times, I'm sure. But, like, it did. I remember it bothering me that it was really? like a, it was a, it was a departure from the established cartoon canon that there was no rock steady and bebop like i i didn't like okay fair yeah 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 you know it, it, it they, they they couldn't totally. which was smart by them probably because they couldn't execute it well it was already enough about that movie that was crazy and a little wonky you're already so, like talk, again walking turtles with their mouths moving you're right, adding right. more of them right yeah so doing more of those new, muppet territory right precisely yeah they probably it was probably a good business decision both from a financial and just an execution perspective but uh I didn't like a lot about that. So, yeah, the movie was not – certainly enjoyed it, but it was not – I preferred the cartoon story universe a great deal more. No question. So my favorite was – and I'll be curious to know if you even know what I'm talking about or remember this one. But my favorite one was called Mutagen Man. So the action figure was – he was humanoid shaped, but he looked kind of like a cyborg kind of thing. And – his torso was clear and you could fill it up with water and it was clear and hollow obviously so you fill it up with water and you could it, it, he came with these little like little plastic organs that would float around inside of the water in his torso oh my super gosh. fucking cool looking <laughs> super super cool so like the story behind him he was a foot clan affiliate that was a human teenager trying to help the like in the in the cartoon they would eventually uh-huh. The cartoons would, as all cartoons, they're built to, to sell the action figures. So right. his storyline in the cartoon, he was a teenager that tried to help the turtles and in doing so poured mutagen all over himself kind of unknowingly and he became this abomination as a result and it warped his mind and turned him evil and he blamed the turtles for becoming this thing. So yeah, that was, was my favorite one. And I, I don't even, actually, that might have been even jabs. I don't even know if that one was oh mine. Gosh. But I just remember, like, I, I love water. So, like, even my, my favorite He-Man character, I think, was the elephant that shot the water. I just loved water action <laughs> figures. Like, water like that, 
that must be the draw because I don't even remember that dude at all. Really? I'm looking at the toy. I'm like, I, I don't even recall. Visually, that doesn't even jump Mutagen out. Man, you mean? Or the, the yeah. He-Man one? Yeah. Mutagen. Yeah, I don't – Yeah, not jump out. Yeah, no, dude. But like I said, we, we stuck with – like I said, it was the longest run. So we stuck with those toys well into the run when they got into that really crazy phase where they were just like reaching that at straws sense. to make new figurines and shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, same with GI Joes. I love the the Eco Warrior GI Joes. Were all they all had like water cannons and like this this water vat playset and shit. And their their suits would show like toxic waste damage when you got them wet and shit. I just loved anything with. <laughs> I remember setting them up on like the bathroom sink counter and using the water basin of the sink as part of the as part of the. Oh, dude, I fucking love water shit as a kid. Dude, I loved it. So, I mean, anytime um, they could switch it up. It, it definitely seemed like an arms race of toys. Like, what kind of cool thing are they going to come up with next? Like, you're sure. you're going to change my character's color when he drops some water, yeah. or when you freeze him, and like, yeah, that stuff was, that was great. Fucking blast. The Nintendo Power description for Wall Street here is the Turtles return home to find that Master Splinter has been kidnapped. To find him, the Turtles will have to equip their party wagon with missiles, missiles, and blow up the barricades that divide the city. And not the greatest way to get in the public's good side, just going around blowing up NYPD barricades, but right? all right. <laughs> that <laughs> well, is the opposite, you. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, flying your fucking, your personal fucking blimp on a JFK airport. There's a lot of shit they're doing that's pretty edgy, I think, for being on the public's <laughs> good right. side, but what have you. So to hop into the wagon of a party variety, you just walk onto it, and then you are cruising in it, and it's a little faster than your walking turtle sprite, but not terribly dissimilar feel to the moving around here. Your attack button does pop off a little pea shooter for the middle of the front bumper, so you have like a uh, a basic shot, and might be underselling it. I mean, you can take out those David Letterman steamrollers with three or four shots. Like, it's not like a pea shooter, I would say, as far as the capability at one shots, anything else, and even more fun than one shotting the foot soldiers, you can just run their asses over now, and that is, of course, a fucking blast. If you want, like, the, that's one hundred percent something I would do just to blow off some steam at times. Is just run around and find foot soldiers and just drive over their asses. <laughs> uh, super fun little thing you can do with this. And April's got a few new things to say here. She says, find Splinter in this town. You have my support. And she also says, get missiles to destroy the barricade. You have my support. So we have April's support. Oh, she also says, find a rope to move to the next. I mean, you don't have Splinter here, so it's all fucking April stuff. And she says, find a rope to move to the next building. You have my support. And uh, so much support. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, I feel stepbrothers is what I think of. Like so so many activities, so much support. <laughs> We're on the northwest corner of this huge map, and it's pretty obvious you have to head inside the one building you have access to. And uh going around elsewhere, you find barricades that block your route to the south, and same to the west, other than a sewer entrance that is just a missile tease. You can't actually get to them, you can just see them, and then you uh get to some you can see past a ledge yeah yeah, they're like on this ledge you can't show up to so just a bunch of dead ends basically other than going this building so it's pretty obvious that's where you go this building is four floors loaded with a new enemy set headlined by the robo enemies they're robots that breathe fire and then turn into a hyper annoying flying enemy after you destroy the first iteration (laughs) of them yes so those are a pain and you can't just avoid them which would be most preferential you must switch to donatello to hit them with a bow strike then this is actually what i was talking about 
what I was saying, like I was scared every time I did it. So yeah, you have to switch to Donatello, hit him with a bow strike. They turn into that flying thing, and you got to just be fucking hammering on that button Ready. to to get off that next bow thing to kill the second one before it gets to you, or the second iteration before it gets to you. Yeah, if so you fuck up that flow chart in any way, you are taking damage. And I think uh, this level, like seeing those and with the like balloons dropping the bombs and and stuff flying at you like the little bouncy what looks like bug alien things Mm -hmm. this it's this part in the game that makes it feel like what are we doing here man (laughs) yeah well it's like i said this is like this is this is yeah well that yeah i guess but also just difficulty too is what i was i thought you were getting also that too yeah that too yeah yeah some of this this but like again as as much as and again i talked about it because i love the later the later games like my kids actually want to want to play turtles in time turtles four with me because we play through turtles two while throughout this process together um but i think that i also contrast how i feel in a positive way to like this whole era with those things flying back and forth you just like oh you know yeah. <laughs> well actually um, i i kind of embrace i i like seeing the balloons i feel like those are easy to deal with uh but yeah those obviously those robots oh well not like, like yeah. by themselves they're nothing but it's just yeah. when you add them with multiple things then there yeah. you go pain in the ass no, no question uh, so there's a full and a quarter pizza in here to get you back into game shape after that water level and then some missiles at the very top you can get your barricade blasting going on with the party wagon after you leave and one of those is worth 10 spots or 10 spot of missiles so each one of those you pick up gives you 10 of those and you are headed to the northeast quadrant after that and you bust a barricade there to get you to the building denoted with a letter b on the nintendo power map and yeah this is easily the overworld that's most jumble fucky and thank god nintendo power went this far and has a map that labels it all uh, to help you understand what each one was so yeah, this is letter b building on that map and it's not a particularly difficult run through this which heads down into the sewer to the manhole exit you can get to before scoring the missiles uh or that you see the missiles in earlier and there's a full pizza and um it's kind of just a basically a fucking runaround thing it's another one of those just get pizza and get you nowhere kind of situations the funny yeah. thing is this is when i if you're you know watching you can see behind me i have the the screenshot of an in-game strategy guide like i i went that's to from back. the screen oh that's yeah cool. so i forgot that, like, lo- that 100 looks like a nintendo it's even got the fucking right? magazine oh that's cool yeah that See, it's got like exactly. that magazine look to it. That's cool. Yeah, dude. And I didn't even recognize this until now. And so I like pause the game and I th- I'm thinking like, all right, this area is so big. Like, which way do I go? Let me go back to Nintendo Power. And I paused it and I think I just hit the word and I just happened to see on the screen like, wait a minute. Strategy guide. Yeah. yeah. So I scroll down and it just scrolls over and you can like zoom in. And so this is what it looks like. And it's freaking great. Like in game. That's super very cool. cool. And I understand it's a whole nother licensing. Uh tier to get nintendo on board to let you use but i wish they would have used actual screenshots oh, from man. from the nintendo power feature you know at least for this the part that the feature went to you know? that would be cool yeah that would have been that really would be cool, cool. Did, did, did you could you did you flip is it like pages turning when you flip through it uh no it just no. kind of goes flips to the next one you, uh, you flip through it but it doesn't page turn uh, <laughs> they don't go full what chumps <laughs> what fucking chumps how dare they <laughs> Yeah. I uh, coming out of this I discovered uh, a kind of a huge pain in the ass quality of life oversight uh, about this party wagon stuff. It does not teleport 
to wherever you were exiting from. So if you go in no, one place. No, it does not. Yeah, and no. you come out another, <laughs> you have to go get the party wagon. I was like, oh, that fucking sucks, man. Yeah. So Thankfully, I what I, I realized that. So I was really good to go until I didn't really. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm just leaving. Oh, yeah. Once yeah. you, know, you know it, you don't expose yourself to it and you can get around without having to do that but it is the first when i first discovered it here i was like oh that's a pain that i You're just trundle my yeah. ass over there that <laughs> fucking sucks yeah, yeah. i, I kind of i realized that before i traveled around i was like wait a minute i'm pretty sure yep gonna yeah. keep it didn't go with me that's stupid so you start working your way south of the starting point after that to the southwest quadrant where you'll run into two side-by-side buildings with open doors, and these are connected on the inside. And if you move through them, you will find your first scrolls, uh, or at least this is where I found my first scrolls anyhow. And they are the most powerful up in the game, uh, and you also find ropes in here, and each pickup of those gives you three ropes to work with. And both core, these are basically the core objectives of this level. Uh, other than getting to the boss. So it's nice that they just slap them right here in the same place uh, if you want to approach them that way. East of there, you can find a pedestrian-only bridge leading to more of this side-by-side connected building ship where you are able to secure, or rather rescue, a captured turtle for the first time in the game if you've had the misfortune of losing one on your adventure thus far. I did not need to go down that road because I was safe scumming my ass off. So I didn't lose any turtles. <laughs> but if you do, this is where you go to get them back. And there's only a couple. I think there there might be one more instance. And you cannot actually. Everything else respawns. You cannot get more. You can't go back in and get another turtle. if you. It's a one-time thing. So there's this one. And I think there might be another one. Yeah. I think there might be another one in four. Uh, either four or five where you can do this. But there's only, I think, two instances of this in the whole game where you can get a turtle back if they've been uh, taken. So that's pretty punitive. The only other option from here, or after that rather, is heading to the southeast quadrant by way of the road along the southern border of this here Wall Street, which also doesn't have canals in real life, BTW. (laughs) Uh, First stop for me was the buildings in the middle of this area labeled HI in Nintendo Power, where I got my first rope action uh, across some building rooftops. And there's a really cool animation for this. When you, you get to this, you'll see a big gap that you clearly aren't going to jump over to. And the, the screen kind of auto-scrolls and takes control of things for a second. Mm-hmm. And your turtle spins a grappling hook a bit before tossing it out across the gap. And then you can just walk across the, the rope like it's a, a normal surface, you know, which is, is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, that's – it's such a – I don't know. It's – I don't know. For somebody who had never beaten the game until this playthrough – I vividly remember like that animation of like seeing oh, sure. that. Oh, like, such a huge, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It it feels very big. You have the skyline in the back. Uh, the rooftops are already kind of a very unique looking part of the thing. One shitty thing about them, though, you can't move through the buildings. Like they are obstructions for you, but the enemies, like the projectiles and stuff, can fly through them. So, like those fire freaks, for example their things will fly up through the buildings and below from below and hit you like from the floor, you know, which I think sucks that you can't move through these things. But this other shit can. It's fucked up. Of course. Of course. Uh, but it all looks, all looks very cool. Um, yeah, this, this, you know, you have to get these ropes to do this, but this part, this particular uh, employment of them is all, it's total bullshit. It's, it's just a scroll depot. Like in this case, you come up here and you have to go through all this bullshit and you do your you expend a rope and it, it basically when the rope goes out, a scroll appears above the rope for you to get, and there's no other reason to be in here. You just have to go back 
down either side of the building doesn't matter you come out and um you're in the same place basically so uh this is a little bit of a runaround thing um and yeah this is where this is where i was like so that happened and i was like I, like I know i need to stock up on these fucking things and like i'd had the two instances of them so i'm like i had this experience here i'm like i'm definitely not doing it here this is a shitty way to, to stockpile these so i went back to the side-by-side buildings where i first found them and i would then grind out both Raphael and Mike to 99. And, and doing that one, yeah, it's a huge pain in the ass because you get 20 at a time, obviously. So this was 10 pickups or 10 trips through these buildings to do that. And one, that sucked. And I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. So that, that was, was part necessary. of it. Well, I don't... I think I did it the perfect amount in hindsight, in my opinion. Uh, if, I'd done it le- yeah, if I'd have done it less, I think I would have had a much harder in-game run so i'm glad i got that many but i got that many and on top of the shitty part of it i was like i like these i like i still like the boomerangs more as clearly not the damage the scrolls do more damage but it's just a straightforward projectile that you lose too so like the idea of i was like i'm gonna keep boomerangs for leo and don basically so i decided my fate the rest of the game basically that they would have they would carry boomerangs and then i would have Raph and Mike ready to go and ready to deploy with scrolls whenever I found I would need them, which I did not know where or what that would be or how much it would be at this point. I'd never even, like, you know, I'd never, this is right. as far as I'd gotten. So I didn't know what to think about when or how much I would be using them. I just knew that it was a thing that I would need them. So I was yeah. hoping that this was enough to do that. <laughs> wow. Uh, but I had did not plenty of fear. I'm just, I'm just glad that I grabbed the full 40 that I could grab and like use them very sparingly towards the end. Cause I too was like, all right, I'm using everything else. Yeah. I mean, I'm I know gonna, for like, I'm going to, I just figured I was like, it's going to be shredder. Cause it's shredder. Right. Like, but I don't know who else I'm going to need them for, but let me just make sure I got them. I'm 100% certain if I'd have only had 40, I wouldn't have beat this game. So I am super wow. thankful that I had more, <laughs> more than 40. I might, I might've got away with a little less than 200. Because I would have been a little less liberal with them, I'm sure. But wow. 40 would not have been, just functionally would not have been enough for sure. So, however you decide to approach being all scrolled up, once you are, you want to be heading to the building smack dab in the middle of the map. In Nintendo Power, it's building J for Josh is coming, motherfuckers! <laughs> it's a long trek in the party wagon. You have to wrap around the entire southeast-north borders of that southeast quadrant and then deal with a number of Letterman rollers and barricades along the way, popping off missiles in most cases to do so, as well as vehicular manslaughter foot soldiers here and there. <laughs> and you're quickly down into the sewer after heading inside of there. Ton of tricky, tricky short hop platforming down here with some real gotcha moments waiting to spawn in your face after landing. So they'll do that a lot here in late in the game where you'll, you'll have these tough platforming sequences where right when you get across them there's a fucking enemy in your face and like it requires like lightning quick reflexes to to pop it before you you know are going to take some damage so they do put a, a pie and a half in here to offset those fuck yous and that was ever so kind of konami to do that but uh it was still pretty tough that sewer lets out in the enclosed on all sides area where you can enter building L to the final test down here in the financial district. And it's a relatively easy climb to the roof where you'll find Splinter dangling from a crane arm and then Mecha Turtle appears for a boss battle. 
And there are two phases for this bad Mamma Jamma. And first up, he looks just like our Hero Turtles with a slight palette swap, blue skin and gold accessories. And I remember that action figure too, by the way, this particular thing, which was actually, it was a good turtle in the action figure. So there must be some lore to this where he maybe was evil and then maybe Donatello, I don't know. My, my total conjecture out of nowhere is that Donatello reprogrammed him into a good turtle and mm. he would become that for the action figures and the cartoon at some point. But whatever the case, he looks just like you here and his move and attack set mirror yours. And I wanted to ask you, because I was battling a sacrificial turtle Leo the whole time, so I don't know if he mirrors your weapon or if he just has the katana. What Do you recall or did you switch turtles at all when battling him to know this so i i was using Raphael at this point and i actually for in, this instance used the kyle the scroll scroll weapon i keep calling it the kyle because i thought that's what it was called in the in the it could be it might be the instruction weapon but uh manual but yeah i at this point i'm like wow this thing is i'm like wow this thing is pretty op like i did it <laughs> first try yeah. you know with only three units of life left and all my unit turtles were full power. So I just kind of grabbed that. Like, he was definitely annoying, but I, I used that. And I'm like, oh. I, I think also one of the things that jumped up into my mind, because, again, this this one of those games that is very much nostalgia-fueled, so things pop up. So when I saw Mecha Turtle, I thought difficult. So I used the scrolls and, like, pieced him up, you know, also because of where I was at health-wise. I'm, You're right. I'm, Kyle. K-I-A-L. You're right. Yeah. So I've never that's what I did. So I, I didn't cool. give him a whole lot of opportunity to come at me because I I just felt impending doom. <laughs> yeah, I was. See, I was uh, again like I I was not using scrolls here because I don't know if I, I I was already thinking I didn't have enough, so I was not using scrolls for this for sure. And I also well, that's interesting to hear. Now that you say that, it's a Nintendo Power. It says he, it said he was impervious to scrolls. And that's actually, I saw that in the Nintendo Power. And that's why I was happy. Because I was, Lies oh, I and deceptions. Really? I feel like that I might have my, in my notes, man. Save Master, Splinter, save Master Splinter using that weapon. Pretty OP no. first try. No shit. Yes. So yeah, Nintendo, Nintendo Power, you knew more than Nintendo Power. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, Employ me, Nintendo. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for blowing up your spot. Yeah, so I, I didn't use those. I used Boomerang. So, yeah, I, I kept those out and flying all around at all times. And okay. I would get a few blows in on him uh, while dancing with him in the main area under Splinter for step one. And I also quickly devised that you could – so you could pop over. So there's like this little tiny mini building on the left side that there's still a little bit of room on to get before the pit after it. And I, if you, if you jumped over there – because he would kind of do this move where he would like – he would have to, he could only, like, he couldn't change vertical elevation very quickly or easily. So when he would glide across the top of that building, he would fly right over your head and then drop down behind you. So I could basically use this building as a way to get him to reset his movement shit over to the far left and give me time to jump over to the right, throw out a few boomerangs, and wait for him to come to me so I could kind of deal with him tactfully, you know? Uh, so I wasn't just jumping around all fucking willy-nilly the whole time. So <laughs> I was able to kind of cook that up as like a way to work through this first phase of him pretty uh, reliably. So that was cool. And then, yes, phase two, he ditches the disguise and goes full robot with a rocket boosters on his feet that let him fly around. And he fires off homing missiles while flying. And if he lands on the ground with you, he has a machine gun he'll dump on you with. So 
uh, with him, uh, boomerangs, in this case, uh, and for me anyways, the boomerangs were even more necessary to counteract the homing missiles. You know, So I would just have them out flying around and try to have those hit the homing missiles and just deal with him one-on-one. You know, uh, Made it relatively easy for me. When you do take him out, Splinter floats down from that thing, whatever that is. Uh, crane arm, maybe. Maybe, well, who the fuck knows. And he <laughs> lands a helicopter, uh, comes buzzing up from below and off into the city background behind you. And a speech bubble comes up uh, from him that re- just reads, oh, and he points to the chopper. Get to the chopper! <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then cut to the info screen for some Splinter direction, which reads, get to the blimp to chase the helicopter. You could do it. And Lord Disciple Matt pointed out in some game chat we are having how asinine it is to think a blimp is going to even kind of keep up with or catch a chopper. <laughs> right. But whatever you say, Sensei, after these messages. We'll be right back. They're the turtles out to polish off crime. Oh, look what they did to my shell. Oh, keep cool. A little wax and it'll shine like new. The turtles laughing in the face of danger. It could be a trap. Yep, it's a trap. Turtles battling for a larger slice of pizza. Yeah, give me a slice of anchovies and peanut butter. They're the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Heroes in a half shell. Today at 10 on Fox for the Tri-Cities WETO. That is a 1987 promo for the cartoon's airplay on some local Fox affiliate in who knows where. And <laughs> after school cartoons, man, after school cartoons, it, like, it hurts so bad that you can't relive that. You, like, you, just, you had no fucking idea how golden of a moment it was right. that you were living at the time. Like that is just like, after that, it should be a Burger King Kids Club. <laughs> commercial is basically what that reminds yeah. me of like those local the local affiliate vibes you know 100 percent. so we're moving into level four jfk international airport maybe that's why they chose that one was maybe lga isn't thought of as international exactly you gotta have yeah, a worldwide yeah. appeal you gotta have yeah. <laughs> make sure everybody's included you know? right sure. they fly in the, if they fly in the united states they're flying in the jfk people know that well, that's fair another massive map here, as far as the overworld goes, Shredder is, or sorry, Splinter rather, is back at the info screen helm. His dialogue bits here are destroy secret underground enemy base. You can do it. And then the underpasses are numbered. Target is number 18, which is so specific. And he does not say you can right. do it at the end because it's hard as fuck. And you probably can't do it. And that's why he doesn't say it there. And then you also have April popping in. She says, destroy the secret base to get the blimp. You have my support. Yeah, and yeah, I just love the idea that the turtle blimp would be a JFK. Like, that's bananas. <laughs> uh, or, I mean, I guess it's saying, she's saying destroy the secret base to get the blimp. So, it says TMG, it says turtles on the side. It's not like you're stealing the blimp from the Foot Clan, you know? Right? Like, it's What is the blimp. turtle's blimp doing at the secret base? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great Why question. Why is it there? Great question. Yeah, great question. So where you start on this map, you are fenced in on all sides, and your only option is entering the building you're outside of. Planes, the we don't have the David Letterman steamrollers anymore. We now have these planes that will fly over randomly and drop bombs on your ass. So you have to keep your head on a swivel when you're out here. And there's a full pizza right inside the door of this joint, and I guess that's the airport food court. They uh, kind of design decision is suggestive to me. They're expecting you to have gotten your ass handed to you by the Mecha Turtle battle, and they want to give you a little olive branch here to get you back up to fighting order. 
Which is funny yeah. because once I grabbed that, I was then at full, complete full strength, you know, because no. I definitely, I definitely had health loss, you know, but it was just a one turtle health loss. So once mm-hmm. I got that, I was like, boom, saving it, ready to go. <laughs> uh, I can't, I probably wasn't, probably about the same, but again, we're safe coming, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different, different deal. That's not the case. The enemy set here are those mosquito flying enemies, boomerang assholes, and the bipedal robots that hit like a fucking truck. And it is rough sledding to get up to the roof here. You'll need three ropes. Thankfully, stacked a lot of those when grinding for scrolls. Uh, in my case, I don't know. Did you ever run into a situation where you're like, fuck, I don't have ropes? <laughs> no. Never did, yeah. man. I was, that's one thing I was glad about. I'm like, I grabbed all the rope that I was supposed to grab. So that when it was time to use them, it was not a problem. I just had it. I was good to go. You know, we were straight. <laughs> Word. Yeah. You then head down into the airport underpass tunnels, and it's a shit ton of relatively short stints in them, and you're back above ground, choosing between multiple reentry options. It's an underpass maze, basically. They do introduce magnets to you here, and fuck magnets. What's your favorite hobby? Uh, magnets. Okay, what, like making magnets, collecting magnets, playing get, with magnets, just magnets. I'm gonna God. put snowboarding. We'll put snowboarding. I don't really snowboard. No. All right. You are heading for that middle tunnel entrance on the huge horizontal runway, and that will lead you to underpass number 17, which they kindly put an interestingly structured refuel opportunity right next to tunnel 16. I don't know if you clocked that or not. Basically, it's like again, they just like no, you're gonna have a whole bunch of attrition getting to this one spot. Here's some free pizza to get you back, fucking. Uh, um oh yeah it i mean it makes sense because i like i was rolling along pretty smoothly through this part until i got the 14 and died I mean, same same for me same for yeah me. multiple times tough. trying to get more kyle for raf you know because he was Raphael was my scroll holder so i was like i had to get more for him definitely died and then 16 or 17 yeah de- yeah, no, I was, I was, <laughs> I was super glad I did my scroll grinding in the previous stage on that building because here would have been way oh, okay. worse, no question. <laughs> yeah, this kind of it's it's a it, the the pizza opportunity here in sixteen. I really I noticed it immediately as a as a as an action game mini puzzle, and I really appreciated it. Another like really gamey moment from Konami that I liked a lot. It's very short and it's filled with enemies, but they put an entire pizza and a half as well as a Mr. Invincibility in here. So if you structure it right, you can grab the full pizza, take a few knocks on your way back to the Invincibility near the exit, and then grab the half pizza to get you back to full just before leaving while you're invincible, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you see it that way, because like, if you do it the wrong way, you'll see the pizza and the invincibility, and you'll be like, oh, fucking grab them right when you first walk in. That's not right. (laughs) That's not the way to do it. Uh, And and yeah, it was cool to me that that was like, I I, I felt cerebral, making a good cerebral choice there. That's good video game design too, when you make an idiot feel smart. April gave me some new patter outside here. She said, are weapons and energy okay? The Foot Clan is near. (laughs) Uh, And again, she did not tell me she had her there so that was i was a little worried in number 17 there are a couple of screens with spiked walls closing in on you on three levels of platforms and you have to this is fucked this is one of those things like i'd never experienced this but i somehow knew of its existence just from i think people griping about it and probably nintendo power classified info or counselor's corner features or something you know i knew that this was fucked and it is you have to like you have to it requires so much 
meteredness out of you as the player. You know what I mean? You have to like so slowly and patiently walk up to those holes so you fall through them the first time or you're fucked. If you go over it, you're dead. You cannot blow this. You have to do it the first time perfectly to get through these. And there's two screens worth. I'm watching it right now on the fucking playthrough, <laughs> actually, uh, ever so timely. And it, it just sucked. Like, and, you know, I'm safe scumming, so whatever, no big deal. But holy shit. How many? And you, so they one hit you. You lose your turtle. So, like, as a player, oh, my God. Or as an OG player, I should say, oh, my God, must those have sucked. Like, really, really brutal. Oh, yeah. A uh, little sequence. Right after that comes a calm before the storm boss approach that you always have to appreciate when they make you feel like you know a boss is coming. That's good game design, too. And the end of that is a doorway labeled as number 18, so you know you're getting to some shit per splinter. And inside there is indeed a boss battle against Big Mauser, and he's completely stationary, periodically shoots lasers down from his eyes that open and then opens his mouth to drop grunt Mausers down on top of you. Mm-hmm. So... When his mouth is open, there's a little light bulb in there that you can whack to inflict damage on. So that's his weak point, right? And did you see the Matrix here, Jay? I just you well, I, I'm going to assume no. I just used eight Kyles and pieced him up. Oh, really? Oh, man. So this was, I, I don't know, again, I, I don't know if I just inferred it or subconsciously knew it already from, again, this is probably a fucking Counselor's Corner piece as well, if we went back through them all. But if you, I guess uh, a big part of it is I'm always with looking to fence test with Donnie and like find a, a a way to cheese. I know that he's just full of cheese capability. So I I was looking at it, I was like I bet I can reach that light bulb from the ground just standing there with Donatello's weapon. Really? And sure enough, if you go if you stand directly beneath his mouth with Donatello and just spam upwards, you'll a what? Miss you'll 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 miss the eye lasers coming down. They go on each side of you, so they straddle you. The Mausers come directly down every time, so you kill them as soon as they cr- are created. And then you also are hitting that light bulb when his mouth. That's opens. what this person I'm watching is doing. I'm like, yeah. what? I never did that. I was always moving and jumping. Yeah, like, uh, what? Yeah, I think I, I did a little bit of Leonardo play. What? And I was like. I, I like I was like I think I can do this with no risk at all and just just loaded went back outside came in with Donatello and beat him the first time basically when I was really trying oh so yeah super good cheese I don't even think about that I would just stand under him when he shot and then jump up you know hitting him with the scrolls but yeah, yeah. that's wow. again just blowing through scrolls you're a madman bro the- <laughs> <laughs> like I so- said at this point like we're at area four like the game's gonna be ending soon like I'm like big maybe. Boss. Maybe I don't. I don't ever. You. I. True. I can't. You're right. You, I, 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 I was th- there. You go again. There you go with your safe, well loved upbringing rearing its head again, <laughs> where you have belief in the world around you and it's not trying to destroy you at every waking moment. And you're- not me. Not me. I don't care how much games left. I know this game is trying to ruin my life. <laughs> you know what it was? I kept seeing that meme of like. Captain America, like, so you, you, you saved all of your weapons to the end of the game. And now, <laughs> you know what I mean? I kept seeing that vividly. And in my mind, like, I know, like, boss, scroll, no other place. You know what I mean? That's, that's all I was thinking. So I, I did, I did not know if we were going to see Krang, if we were going to see Baxter, if there was going to be extra bosses and I would need them. But I, I was like, I, I know I'm using it on this boss and then we'll see from there. 
That's the thing. I don't know if I haven't mentioned in my notes anywhere, but that's the thing I hate about this game too, that there's no Krang action. Even with the Technodrome. If you go in the Technodrome, you gotta deal with it. Krang's there. It's that's gotta be Krang. It's Krang's Technodrome. Yeah. Shredder's yeah. just a fucking, he's, he's basically a, he's a Krang's sidekick once you get to the Technodrome. Like Shredder operates away from the Technodrome like he's the, he's the big swinging dick. But when it gets back to the Technodrome, it's fucking Krang's show. That's Krang's <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I did yeah. not know what to expect. Yeah. When you do kill him, the mouser's head cracks open and blows up before your turtle pimp walks out of the door that opens screen right. And then April chimes in with a go to the enemy base by blimp. You have my support. We then cut to what is probably the best pixel art in the game, I would say. It's a gorgeous cinematic of all four turtles hopping into the gondola on the blimp. And it takes you, which by the way, this gondola does not match up to the actual, either in the comic, cartoon, or action figure glider deal. It's like a traditional, like, enclosed gondola. But they all walk their asses out there and hop in that thing. And then it takes to the air as the sky goes from a beautiful cloudy blue to an ominous fiery orange. And I know they're just trying to take us to nighttime here so the next stage can be at night. But in my mind, I'm looking this, looking at this thinking to myself, like, this is what happens to the sky every time you tell someone you're going, or every time someone goes to the South Bronx. <laughs> That's just what happens in life when you go to the South Bronx. Get ready. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be fucked up. And, yeah, I had to look up. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. I, I did my economic analysis later, but like, I was like, "What is that thing on the bottom of a blimp called?" I had to look it up. I did not know it was called a gondola. I had, hmm. to, I had to Google that. So, such an informative podcast, the Imperial Scrolls of Honor. Now you know <laughs> what a gondola day. is. Yeah, <laughs> gotta have that uh, growth mindset, Josh. Yeah, Rock correct. Started. And we are we are fully embracing that and and proliferating <laughs> it here via the ISOH podcast. Level five is Shredder's base inside the South Bronx, and oh your turtle stands in a dark exterior, something or other, kind of industrious looking, I would say. Which maybe this is probably the most appropriate of all the NYC settings. I mean, I guess that I, I guess I'll buy JFK Airport in a game setting yeah. for the airport level too. Uh, it's a little goofy, probably, but those fences would be really <laughs> complicating for a lot of uh, what an airport needs to do. You need a little more spread out floor plan, I think, uh, than or open floor plan, I should say. Um, but whatever. This one is nonetheless probably the most representative of where it should be, and. The music here is very brooding. We'll get to that on uh, the next act break, but very good music. And the patter from the team back at the dojo is new as well. Splinter says, beware of searchlight on ground level. You can do it. Find the way to the underground technodrome. You can do it. And then <laughs> April's uh, only has the one here, and it's... It's either this or Splinter's very first one about the get pizza for extra energy. One of these two is the best line in the game, but, and I'm actually going to say this one based on the sh amount of people that have shared this post from our Facebook page. I'm going to yeah. guess this one's the best, but she says weapons and pizza are in the buildings. It's like, she's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a, so sweet. Let's go. Right. Cause yeah, you can, you, you can kind of, this, that has two entendres to it. It's, you know, weapons and pizza are in the building. And yeah. it's also like, Weapons and pizza are in the building, you know. <laughs> you know, Let's like, go. yeah, they're here, right? Yeah, and like, yeah, I'm you ready could, to eat. I'm ready right. to shoot. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's it's great that she chooses those two particular nouns, <laughs> which it, it's it's it, it's it's also funny because it's so accurate. Like those are the things that you pick up, you know. And it's even funny later on to me. 
that they're in separate, they, they completely separate them. Like there's one building that's all pizza and there's one building that's all weapons, you know? Like they don't let them mingle. They're in two separate buildings, like your weapon building and your pizza building. The idea that Shredder would have a pizza building on his compound in the South Bronx to me is hysterical. <laughs> you know? <laughs> gotta eat. Yeah. People gotta eat, right? Right, like, yeah. Foot Clan's gotta eat. Yeah. Fucking great. So Splinter wasn't lying about the search efforts. Efforts, rather, there are choppers buzzing everywhere, uh, casting lights down onto the ground. And anyway, might as well, Jay. Get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to avoid trifecta. We I don't think we ever got a trifecta in an episode before. <laughs> Leave it to the team, she just turtles to present us with that opportunity. And they're pretty easy to avoid the searchlights. I would say the from the choppers there. Uh, yeah, the two buildings, like I said, for the pizza and the weapons. And both, honestly, are, like, they're full of dangerous shit that make it very unappealing to frequent them. Like, the pizza one may be kind of helpful because there's so much. And it obviously counteracts the damage you're taking, all the pizza in there. Uh, but the weapon one, there's no pizza in. And just, God, no. If you had, if you haven't did all your weapon grinding before this, I feel so bad for you because that building sucks. They have, in both these, they have this new side-scrolling stage mechanic deal where these bricks are sticking out from the walls you can climb on. And, like, you can... It's like kind of like wall climbing. You know, like, you, you can move laterally as well as up and down as long as you're on top of this particular... Um, background tile you know and it obviously slows you down a ton and you're just completely i don't think you can jump off them either it's like you're completely at the mercy of these fucking things and it yeah it sucks it really is a tough tough thing to deal with i think environmentally wise the there are three manhole pois all lead to caves not sewers on this map as well and I was just actually in the South Bronx when I went to the Just Bills game. That's where my buddy Al lives. Really? Yeah, he has a, he has a house in the South Bronx, just literally right off the uh, Grand. No, not Grand Concourse. Grand Concourse is 145th. He's on 155th. Uh, so just over the river, basically, from the city. And I highly doubt I didn't do any under... Ground exploring while I was there. I never have. <laughs> but I highly doubt there are any natural caves at all beneath the Bronx. I find that very difficult to believe. Um, I don't think there's anything that hasn't been excavated and built into source some sort of city infrastructure below ground in the Bronx. My opinion. No proof, but whatever. Again, it's a video game. The enemy sets down here are new. We have the, this is a porcupine, armadillo, and jellyfish enemy set and as i guess it should be this late in the game it's i guess probably the second to last worse the one in the technodrome is worse but these fucking suck for sure the porcupines run back and forth and jump while firing clusters of shit off their backs to like turn their back to you and fire projectiles at you as a porcupine i suppose would and then the armadillo armadillos armadillos <laughs> curl into a ball and roll over the screen including all sorts of gravity defying angles and heights and just bullshit 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 these things they're just so un it's so impossible to predict what they're going to do which in a game like this in particular, you need to be able to internalize the movement patterns of these enemies eventually. Like, sure, when you first introduce, get to introduce them, they're going to fuck you a few times. But you need to be able to learn this and be able to navigate this without, you know, again, without saves coming. I just don't know how you get through this shit. It's fucking so bad, man. So bad. 
You just learn and it sucks and that's just life. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's just life, how life was. Not going to hear me argue that. And they also will fire off some sort of bullshit when they are not curled up in the ball and they're standing on the ground, some sort of projectile. And then the Thankfully, jellyfish. when you're Donatello, you can actually hit that. Yes. Yes, true. Thankfully. And then the, yeah, the jellyfish explode in all four directions when they get close to you. So they'll kind of home on to you when they get close. They'll, they always shoot at like, um, diagonal angles. Like 45. Right. So you can at least plan for that and safely get beneath them if you want. So two of these caves lead to doors with, with Foot Clan logos over the doors, but nothing inside. It's just a black space. And then one of them, the one in the southeast corner for me, leads to a final boss battle with the Technodrome. Now... Jay, you texted me, very frustrated at some point or another, uh, while you were in this. Did you end up finding it to be in the same place, or is there RNG present for the location of the Technodrome? No, I think you're right. I think it was okay. in the right in that place. I, I ended up, I was thinking I was in, like, the bottom right or what whatnot. Like, I was thinking I was there. But when I looked up and I was like, oh, strategy guide, map, in the game. You know, I, I flipped and, like, looked. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm actually in this upper right one, so okay, I need to, yeah. and I could see, like, because it looked like I couldn't exit where I was at, but I realized, oh, I could go up and, like, go through the middle level and up and around, and I uh-huh. kind of forgot, because I think I'd maybe even, like, taken a break as a, you know, a day in between and kind of forgot, like, oh, I Came can back. move back around, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it's not. It's not like these that. these uh, side-scrolling stages are particularly memorable logistics. That's right. all kind of <laughs> all the sewer ones look the same. All the caves one look the same. Cave ones look the same. Yeah, it's very. I can see that being very possible. Definitely not a. Uh, which is why there's no passwords in this game. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you work your way through a bunch of that porcupine uh, bullshit, and then uh, get into this battle with the Technodrome. And honestly, like. I was surprised when I walked through that door and I first saw the Technodrome. Like, I thought there would be another boss battle and then mm. battle the Technodrome, you know, in the Technodrome level. So, like, I, yeah, I didn't have a full understanding of what to expect as far as the end game, whatever, trajectory. It makes total sense in hindsight, but I, it's not what I expected. I did not expect to be battling the fucking Technodrome here. So you go through the door and you're in a big black void uh, alone for a beat, just like the other ones. And then the Technodrome comes rolling in from screen right on tank treads, taking up very close to the full vertical span of the screen. And it has an electrified fork sticking out of the front of it. You will find a matching one of these on the backside as well. If for some reason you venture over there, I wouldn't recommend doing so, but there is one there. And it has two guns that mounted on the side at about tap jump head height, which we were talking about earlier. And then there are foot soldiers continuously somersaulting out of a port on the front and landing on the ground to pepper your ass with shurikens. So that's basically it's different forms of attacks, like trying to run into you with this fork, shooting with those guns from behind it, and then the fucking foot soldiers coming out. And then there is also a big eye on top of the thing, and it has an opening and closing cycle to it to deal with. But otherwise, you're just trying to hit that thing basically at all times is really your goal here. But, um, yeah, it's really not, like, if you had saved sufficient scrolls, which I certainly did, this is pretty cake, I think. Um, I just was fucking dumping on this thing with fucking scrolls. <laughs> I bet you were, yeah. too. Uh, so, yeah, I did not have a terrible amount of trouble. You can even, like, once you 
you take each one of these environmental things out one by one. You can even blow up the porthole that the foot soldiers come out of, so you can get rid of that hazard as well. And once you blow all that up, it's just the eye there, and you can even stand on the fucking tank tracks safely. So you can just yeah. jump up and keep. Once I realized thing. that, I was like, "Oh, we're good." And I and I didn't even use my Kyles here. I just used the boomerangs and like I think I might have even swapped between like boomerangs and shurikens just to like just to use them because at this point I was like. I'm in a Technodrome. I have these turtles with all these other things, so I was just kind of... Let's pick it off. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting there playing this. You can see it in my boss battle vid because I'm going through this level thinking I'm at the end of the game. I assumed, like, when it called the Technodrome level 6 in the mag, I -hmm. thought that was just... The final... The battle against the Technodrome, you know? So I didn't know that we would be going inside of the Technodrome, uh, which is certainly what happens here. So, yeah, so I beat this thing, and I'm like... Is that it? Like, oh, that's exactly what I expected in this game. Like, this bullshit-ass battle. <laughs> yeah, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I had, like, a definitely a little... To its credit, I suppose. Uh, surprise, you know? Um, so, yeah, when the eye blows up, your turtle jumps inside via that port the goons were jumping out of. Uh, which is cool that it makes, like, that total sense that where they were coming from is where you go in. I like that it took that little attention to detail. And you cut to the info screen for a pep talk from April. She says, you are great. This is the final battle. You have my support. <laughs> we are in we are in level Very six. Very consistent messaging. Thanks, yeah, April. dude, she's not fucking on it, dude. I told you, hers is, hers is funnier than Splinter, I told you. <laughs> so level six is the Technodrome, and inside here has a factory vibe to it, aesthetically, and yet another new enemy set. Oh fucking jetpack dudes that These are a real pain in the ass. Jetpacks, oh, dude. dude, they are brutal, man. They are brutal, brutal, brutal. Ugh. And there are new little flying robots that are a crapshoot as to how many. This is my bitch that I was saying earlier when we were talking about damage from the different weapons and stuff. These things changed. Sometimes they would take two Leonardo sword blows. Sometimes they took one. And you know what really sucks with a flying enemy is not knowing if I can just hit it and keep moving forward or if I have to attack it in a way where I'm going to get out of its flight path afterwards. Like, not knowing that with a flying enemy in this jumble fuck of a level oh my is brutal design choice. Brutal, brutal, brutal bullshit. And yeah, I was... That was easily the thing I was cussing most about <laughs> <laughs> in this fucking level is, like, these things getting me when I didn't think they should be getting me, you know? Uh, sucked. Donatello straight from here. I was like, I got to, I got oh, to know, I got to no. know what my damage is, is happening. No way, man! I'm not, I'm not fucking losing Don. Got to fight Shredder. I'm not losing Donatello right now. No way. Oh, in my, <laughs> in, see, for me, in my mind, Raphael still has like thirty some Kyles uh, or something left. I wasn't so, okay like, with losing eight turtles. He's, I he's can't be what's, he's I can't accept losing a turtle. I can't do it. So I'm not. No, no, I definitely didn't want to lose a turtle. I'm saying because I know I'm using Raph with the Kyle for Shredder. Donatello is my like one becomes, hit. We're taking him through. Becomes less important. Yeah, couldn't do. I can't. And hope, go. hoping I don't need him for Shredder, honestly. Because if if my Kyles aren't enough, I, I got bigger problems. <laughs> I got bigger problems. I'm fucked. Yeah. And then the last enemy in here are these robot dinosaurs with a kangaroo kangaroo jumping behavior to them, and those <laughs> also are extra shitty. Super yeah. tough enemy set. April has some new dialogue on the info screen in here. She says, Shredder's gun mutates creatures, and she does not reassure us with her support after this line. And I have to be honest, between that and the last one, I was a little fucking worried we'd lost her support, bro. (laughs) (laughs) And then she also says, be sure to come back. This is the last fight. You have my support. Woo. Splinter also has some shit. He says, beat Shredder or peace will be lost. You can do it. 
And then you have no map in here. The map, like I said, in every previous stage, side-scrolling stuff, you can still see an overworld map. There's no stage for this, though, so they don't, they just, to deal with that in-game, they just have some text here that simply reads, radar is not working, so I am lost, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, funny, funny wording choice. And yeah, man, you know, you fucking, the journey to Shredder, like I did the whole time too. I'm like, I can't believe there's more stage stuff. Like I, I thought the game was over. I was so upset, so sad inside that I, was, <laughs> I knew it would be so difficult. And it is so brutal through it's here. It's so hard to yep. here. Yeah. So fucking tough, man. And like, you know, there's nothing to even talk about. It's just, you're dealing with a million fucking things. And if you're not safe, it's coming. No fucking way. Like just, there's just nothing to say about it really. The one thing I would say is I think it's funny to me, or I think it's funny that they, give you a Mr. Invincible in the section right before that final hallway. Just, I think it's just so you can blow off some steam, dude. I don't think right. it has any point at all <laughs> other than just so you can literally just blow through that room that otherwise would be impossible, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was hilarious that that was, that was um, right. yeah. given this, to you this, there. This area is a, a pain. I, yep. I think I might have even thrown some Kyles through here just to, like, get through because I was so the, annoyed and frustrated. Oh, in the, in the tunnel, you mean? In the lead up. Yeah. yeah, that that's yeah. So yeah, you go below that Mr. Invincible room, and yes, it is just it's a uh, continually constricting hallway as you go, and it is just loaded with those jetpack guys two at a time. And you know, and the, and the, I I was able to like you know I went through a bunch of times and like save load, save load, save load, save scum, save whatever, and like I'm like this is not fucking you can't, and like you know I'm like yes I'm save scumming. So I have all my turtles, and like, yes, I can obviously live if I lose a turtle in here. But like, I'm trying to think, like, there's got, I'm like, there's no fucking way, that, like, I'm trying everything. There's no way to blow these things up and get through here. It's not possible. And I'm like, what the fuck? And there is, you can do, so if you duck and let them fly over you, mm-hmm. and then run as soon as they pass you, you can get out of range of that laser they fire down at a, at a 45 degree angle. So that's, uh. you, you have to just, a, a run away from them basically you can't actually engage them so that is the smart play but of course you get to a point where you don't have the headspace for them to fly over you so then you do have to deal with them and yes the only thing to do there is to just literally blow fucking scrolls down that that hallway constantly and even then you're wasting them because a lot of times that fucker will fly off the screen and i don't think he saves the the damage that you did i because it still takes two scrolls to kill them so Uh, just yeah, really, really brutal and attritiony run to put right so before tough. Shredder, which it is just—it's literally the last approach before Shredder, except one thing. So you get to the end of that hallway, you go up this ladder, you come into this empty room that feels like you're getting yourself into a boss approach. It feel—you have a moment of like, okay, this is empty. Boss battle. Yeah, and and then it fucking gives you a goddamn mini boss battle. Against one of the jetpack guys. And like, you know, when it happens, you don't know Shredder's there right there yet. So like, you don't have this emotion immediately. But you again, in the in the boss battle video, dude, like I finished the fight against Shredder and I was like, my first thought when Shredder died was, I can't believe they put that mini boss battle right before this. What <laughs> fucking pricks that they put that there. That is just the ultimate fuck you. To put that stupid ass mini boss battle there, you know, like yeah, just so brutal to put that there, so fucked. Because right. again, there's just no way you're expecting to have that here, and you don't have the like I said the the 
you may have learned that the smart play with those guys is to just run away from them. You obviously can't do that in a mini boss battle. You're locked into the arena. So just, yeah, just the most brutal choice, brutal, brutal choice on those fucking to, to do right before Shredder. Um, very tough. Split this whole, this whole run here through this final hallway and then upstairs with the mini boss battle. Splinter has some unique dialogue that I noticed. He says, prepare for the fight. Shredder is near you. You can do it. So he knows Shredder is near. Dun, dun, dun. He's tele- telekinetic, linked telekinetically to Shredder. Uh, so yeah, so there's a doorway right after that. It's, I think, disappointingly nondescript. You know, it should have at least had some right. so, uh, something. You like know. they had foot feet right. above the door and other right. things that made it seem like, oh, Technodrome, this is going to be right. big. And they were just like leading you around. Like, right. Yeah, I, I would have liked something a little little more fun visually heading in here, but it looked like the other door that we'd seen in this area. So you move inside, and there you are in a arena. It's a one-screen deal. You got walls on both sides, so you can tell you're not going anywhere, and there's a lot of wires and machinery and shit all over the place. And you start on one of two elevated platforms, the middle one specifically, and I luckily just instinctively... Got the fuck off the platform for some reason or another. I don't know why I was incentivized oh. to do that. So, but yeah, if you stand there, you're gonna get fucking zapped because a lightning bolt comes rocketing down right to where you spawned in at and slowly morphs into Shredder. So if you stayed there, I I don't know if it might even one hit kill you. I think because I had to load to check something again when I was doing my final notes and. I think I died in one hit when I, I stood there. Oh. And, and so that's how fucked is that? Can you imagine? Well, getting it makes shredder? sense. It makes sense because he hit when he hits you, you take a lot of damage. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's so it's I, I yeah, I, I would like. So I jumped down. I missed that. And then I got into a battle. Uh, I'd like to hear yours first. How, how did your experience with him go? It wasn't too bad. I died a couple times like. Or and had to like rewind, you know, because I obviously I saved like right here, but I died a couple times mainly because I was just trying to get separation, you know, like he would come down here, and, and I wanted to stay up on the platforms at first because I felt I felt like I don't know what kind of crazy mechanics he had. Like, he's <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I don't know what the fuck he's gonna do down there. <laughs> right? he's shredder, but if I go down on the ground, he might like do some electric or some kind of crazy stuff happening. So I wanted to stay up on the platform. But then he would like invariably like jump to me and get me and just like chop my my health in half immediately. Comic-out so media, I, yeah. at first I had to like eventually like to your point immediately I'm dropping down and getting out of the way because once I could finally I feel like I'm talking about football play like I once I finally <laughs> got that separation then I could like light him up with the Kyle and then he'd like you know did enough of a stun that I finally beat him and I still had twelve left over so I was happy. Then my strategy worked. I was able to beat him. Still had 12 left over. But it took me, like like I said, a couple tries just to get out of the way enough and, like, keep separation enough so that I could hit him. Because if I wasn't far enough away, he would close that gap immediately. And, and blast can, you, can you please describe to me his attack set? Because I don't know what it is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? So did you just get out of the way immediately, and the minute, the, the minute he, like, dropped down, you just, like, lit him up, like, immediately? Ba- ba- basically, yes. Damn. And, and he, yeah, he stun locks, and I just, I mean, I, it was so fast. Six, yeah. actually, actually, what, I timed in the video, six seconds. That's how long it took for me to absolutely melt his ass into a little puddle of flames at his feet. 
Wow. I well <laughs> first time. I will, never did any attacking. I didn't even see it. I will say I'm not entirely surprised because once I did once I got around and got separation, I lit him up. And like you know, I I, I was kind of surprised, like, wait, the game's over. Like, yeah, like there's no there's no Krang, there's no nobody else, like I'm done. So I'm not entirely surprised. <laughs> Uh, I assume he pulls out that mutagen gun at some point or another. No, did you see that at all? No, I saw no gun, man. He he, because he would like hit me. Because if he hits me like two or three times, you're dead. Right. You know. So I, I, and again, I'm just trying to get separation at that point. So I can, so I can even like hit him. Because if he hits me once, I've dropped so my I have like three health left. I I gotta run. Right. I gotta run. Like I, I have the play video about to get to it, but I know that this guy is also not gonna see any attacks. There's no way if you know what you're doing. Yeah, enough, the one you know, I saw enough the to make a fucking it. video. You know they're fucking <laughs> fragging his ass immediately. So yeah, I, I, I don't know of a way to check whether, but he's got. I mean, April talks about it. His yeah. mutagen gun. So you know, I mean, I guess that doesn't guarantee that he has one, but you'd think he would. It's got to be a yeah. thing, but I didn't yeah. experience that either. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was like. <laughs> Bought that video, like, uh, puts it on full display. But I was so happy that I was able to, like, I was able to just instinctively cheese him. That there was, uh, that, like, he just stood no chance at all to pull any whatever bullshit he would pull. I was so pleased that I was able to cheat there. Uh, however, it, you know, that, hey, that that's not that, cheating. You just yeah. like blasted him with the weapon that you needed to right. blast his ass with. That is just yeah, as but intended. it does. It does raise the question, if you haven't read Nintendo Power or know to stock up on scrolls, what is that like? I just, can you imagine? I don't know. Well, it would be so bad. I don't know. I Again, we still all knew collectively that those scrolls were was a dope weapon. So, like, you had to have figured it out some kind of way. I just hope you didn't waste them right. on other on other stuff, on important stuff. Because it's easy to see. Like, it's easy for us to see because we can pause and do all that kind of stuff and rewind. And if you didn't hopefully hopefully you were able to figure out pretty damn quickly hold on to that save that for necessary and for you didn't a, get for, here for with a like rainy three. day yeah, yeah save that for a rainy technodrome day yeah man uh otherwise it'd probably be tough sledding yeah. <laughs> straight up first words out of my mouth post shredder demise Please let me out of this video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thrilled to watch him go down so easily. I was so happy. So he dies. Yeah, he, he like goes and he like melts down into this little flame fucking thing at his feet. And then we cut to some new pixel art of Splinter and Rat form. And the ending theme fires up. You defeated Shredder and saved the world. Now I can turn back into human form. And then the headshot goes through a morphine slideshow of him going back to human form. And I don't think he looks particularly Japanese. Uh, certainly not like he does in the cartoon, but whatevs. It's a video game, yet again. <laughs> and then he says, you guys have excelled my skills. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> and <laughs> then April comes in and she says, oh, Splinter's back to his real form. You guys are great. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for your man. help. Let's celebrate with pizza. <laughs> and then it goes straight from that to a black card with white text that reads, The Adventure of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is concluded. 
Shortly thereafter, back to the power on legalese screen and ensuing title sequence. And that wraps up our podcast on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the Nintendo Entertainment System. That is the final stage, bringing us into the verdict. How does King Lork feel about this game, Jay? I think... Given the historical significance of this game, and where it landed in the timeline of things, I think King Lork has to give it the blessing. I mean, for the level of... of for the role that it played within our lives at the time. Like, honestly, okay, jokes aside, I think that, you know, the latter editions, clearly, as I've said over and over and over, are far better as beat-em-ups, you know, those type of games. And what this is, what they are as a genre, clearly lends itself to a beat-em-up when you think of, like, weapon balance and being a ninja um and clearly i would play it again if it was remastered you know in this game I'm, i obviously played this one on the xbox so i liked it enough to already have it um you know along with the other games um that said i would never really want to play this one again um i i, I have i have already played again turtles and turtles 2 with my kids they want to play four with me. We'll likely play three as well. We've played Shredder's Revenge, the new one that came out last year, I think, or the year before. Um, haven't played the DLC yet. Gonna play that one. But like, they're all, all the rest are all in the same vein as beat 'em ups, like that you would expect and love. And so this one, I I like it for what it was, and like the music to your point was just like, oh, like it's stuck in my brain, and like where 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 we're at, and even like the visuals. Yeah, dude, I, yeah. I didn't say that at any oh. point. I walked around the whole time I was playing this game. I would catch myself just singing that fucking. Like fucking god damn it! And we kept going. What the fuck is that song you keep singing? I'm like, I don't tell you, I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> hey, man, the box art, everything, and like it's stuck. So. I'm glad that it kicked off a great genre. It is just the forgettable initial edition of that. So I think I think it gets the blessing, but in a respectful, like honorary. Uh, what do you call that? Of, honorary, yeah. That's, yeah, that's honorary, the, yeah, honorary degree blessing. type of. That's <laughs> of interesting. Blessing. That's an interesting argument. But otherwise, in a straight up fashion, I would say, nah, don't like. Start start at Turtles two and you'll be you'll you'll be great. Turtles the arcade game, you'll be solid. Interesting. Yeah, what are this, your thoughts, Josh? <laughs> yeah, this is this is one of the games, one of those games, I should say, that makes doing this podcast such a, a, a worthwhile thing. You know, this is a game I never, I never, I already said I tried, I never would have finished. Without our needing to blather about it for three hours, four hours, <laughs> ten hours, maybe not. We've been doing this forever. We've been podcasting on this podcast forever, uh, <laughs> and or on this recording, I should say. You know, and, and that would have been a goddamn shame 
Because this game, or or I should say, I guess maybe the first three levels of this game, because I didn't know what the back three levels were like, <laughs> but the first three levels of this game have a disproportionate slice of my childhood memories and nostalgia from them. It just means so much to me and is such a big part of, I don't know, what I think of. Like I said, I was able to paint that ever so vivid picture of what playing this game would have been like down to the most minute environmental details, you know, and completing it gives me closure on all that in a way that, again, just never would have, could have happened without this podcast pushing me to do it. And I enjoyed the ride to get into that closure a great deal. But that said, as you just said, I would never play this fucking video game ever again. And I would (laughs) never ever recommend anyone else does unless they have the same above reasoning that I just described to do so. So I felt on all that logic that I, because of the lack of willingness to tell someone else to play it, how could I give it the blessing? Even though, yes, I have this weird inclination to do so from some sort of strange historical significance perspective same yeah but that not being in my view the purview of which to bestow said blessing so hearing your argument for it in the way honorary is the wording it is an honor it is a it 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 I don't know if you go as far as to say as to asterisk it. Ast- I was going to say asterisk it. blessing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I you know I Switch don't category. I don't know if if we do those. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if King Lorik has asterisks in his uh, keyboard set. I don't think well, he does. I, I put but, it like this: C- coming into this episode, I I took the position that I was going to be fine either way we went on this, like blessing or not blessing, because of that. Because I'm like, eh. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend you go play it. Like, go play two. Again, go play three. Go yeah. play four. Go play any one of them, but not this one. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way I was thinking to word it was, like, it does not get the blessing. But if the late 80s version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is part of your life in any way, shape, or form, you must play this game. And that's a weird dichotomy, you know? Uh, but I think maybe that is the proper representation of that idea is the honorary blessing is an honorary blessing for it even though um, in a vacuum it wouldn't get it so I like that as well I'm willing to adopt that and change my mind and and give it the blessing as well so we double blessing a game that doesn't really deserve a blessing (laughs) but but all all thanks to Peter and and Kevin. Which, by the way, I interviewed Kevin like a half hour interview. Uh, link is in the show notes. Uh, awesome talk, I think. And I had done enough research prior to that where I asked him some shit, a lot of shit that I, I don't think I'd heard anyone else talk to him about, and that was pretty cool. So he and Peter are the reason I suppose that it's getting its blessing because it's such a creative, cool, impactful IP, not because of the video game Konami got or made rather. So yes, that's what uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm saying too. Okay, 
So yeah, that's a, it's a beautiful thing to have that checked off our list. I, like I said, I uh, when we were going into it, I think it was a travesty that we had not done so from this ivory tower with which we we pod from. Okay, so now we are moving into some Sega shit with Sega Visions issue four. That's exciting. I always love when we flip back over to Sega because of how sparingly we get the opportunity to at this stage without being with it not being monthly yet. Rather, so that will be next. You can subscribe to the pod on the platform provider, whatever dumbest company that serves up your pottery. Please rate and leave pods of shit for the pod on that podcast platform of choice or any other for that matter. The website is nyhentertainment.com forward slash ISOH pod. You can email us directly at ISOH podcast at gmail.com to tell us we're doing this all wrong or praise us or whatever you want to do uh, or talk shit to us about. Follow the pod on Facebook and or Instagram. Link to the YouTube gameplay videos playlist is in the show notes as well. There's the ISOH subreddit if you want to get down with us on there instead of any Mark Zuckerberg shit. And we don't have a Patreon, but if you'd like to give you money to things podcasters tell you to, and we'd like to do so in our direction, the Able Gamers Foundation creates custom gaming rigs for gamers with disabilities. That's cool as fuck. AbleGamers.org is where you can find them. T-shirts are on the website. ISOH t-shirts, I mean, are on the website, and they're dope, and proceeds on those after pot expenses go to Able Gamers. I'm wearing one right now. Jay's wearing some Xbox propaganda instead. Jay's, <laughs> what are your socials, propaganda boy? <laughs> Gentleman JB without the second E, that is my gamer tag, as well as where you can find me on the socials. I am on Twitter, at Josh Fullen. I'm on Instagram, at MyShiftKeyIsBroke, and that is where you can find me in the metaverse as well. Uh, for all the cool shit i guess actually the best thing to tout right now would be multiplayer uh nfl pro era on the 16th once that drops if you want to get down on some nfl action in vr you can find (laughs) find me there okay bye bye